Man, uh, we got some breaking news, huh? That's past breaking. week. Sorry, I'll pick it up and put it back together and I'll hand it back to you. I'm sorry. I got really, really excited and angry all at the same time because I've been, oh, so I've been so fault, excited man. about about music from the year 2000. Oh, this is your fault. Well, I mean, yes, speaking of, I broke it. I mean, speaking of stuff from like 20 years ago, did you mm. know that former reality TV star um, Donald Trump caught COVID-19 this past week? I heard something about that, but I wasn't sure, you know, with all the, the fake news out there. Mm. You can never trust what's really going on but um yeah well, i mean like thoughts and prayers out to him because he's actually in like three high risk groups i mean he's I old he's obese and he's and thanks to his tax return we found out that he's low income too oh burn <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> now I, I had been saying for several months now that he wasn't human. So oh, that's true. I've so, still, I mean, can, he, can you still, catch COVID if you're not human? I mean, I'm sure the QAnon people are going to go their direction with this, but I can definitely go in the other direction and uh, say that this is, this is 100% just a like, you know, fabrication to pretend like he is a human being. Is this an assassination attempt I didn't, right before I, the election? I, I didn't see the test. I'm only trusting what the media tells me. I mean, what does mm. what does that mean? I mean, somebody hacked his account mm-hmm. and posted that he had COVID. All Those I know is Democrats. that is that the the media was not able to expose FDR's polio for all 16 years that he was president, or however long it was, 14, mm-hmm. 13 years. Yet one minute to the next, we know what president's uh covid test is i'm just saying like i i i this is this is this has got fake conspiracy written all over it oh no well you know what <laughs> i have no idea Eating... which which way though <laughs> well i mean like before we move on from this topic because i don't want to go on this we'll, we'll definitely do. do an election episode like in the next coming weeks or something but like fucking he might actually Donald Trump might actually get what he wants. He might actually be president for the rest of his life. Oh. You know what I mean? You know? Oh. <laughs> Adam, how can you vote against a sick man though? How can real... you vote against a dead man? <laughs> how can you vote against a man that is knocking on death's door? Adam, how are you doing this week? It has been a while. It's been too long, Mike. Too long. I can't live without doing podcasts. What did you on a even weekly do basis. last week? I I put the baby to bed for her nap, and then I don't know. I think I you did sat in your did, you sat in your science. <laughs> I did science homework because that's oh, what we okay. do on the weekends is is the science lessons. So oh, okay. that we don't have to do them during the week. I thought you were going to say that you just sat in your office waiting for the waiting for the podcast call. <laughs> it would have been nice. It would have been nice if you just like out of nowhere, like hey Adam, it's ten fifty eight. Let's like get this going. Like I'm I'm totally ready. I'm ready to talk about something. <laughs> Well, thank you for thank you for allowing me to take a little bit of a short break, and thank you, listeners, for your patience as well. I hope you enjoyed the uh, skinny seconds from last week. I definitely did. That was a that was pretty fun, fun. to do. Now, if you're logging in to your podcast feed, uh, you saw that the skinny with Mike and Adam has a new episode, and then you read the title of this mm. new episode, and you were greatly confused. Mm. Don't worry, we'll get to that. In just a few minutes, <laughs> but uh, uh, we got a couple of music uh, things to get to because we got a stacked show. My God, we take a week off. We we listen to all these fucking albums. I listened to like two major 
of Soundgarden albums and like I have no one to talk to about it. Like, oh my, <laughs> what, what, what do I do? So, I know, like, I know. you know, so we'll catch up with all that in a bit. And then we got a track by track review for you coming up. We'll we'll explain ourselves in a bit. <laughs> but first of which, uh, this was brought to our attention a few days ago uh, by listener Dave. Now, I mean, it, it's no secret that one of our new favorite uh, bands from this year is Creeper. Now, the front man of that band, Will Gould, turns out he has launched a new band. Uh, he's calling it Salem. Now, don't... Witchcraft. Now, now, so no, much witch, witchcraft. I mean, tis the season, right? But, uh, right. Uh, but uh, now, don't don't make my mistake, folks, and, and, and Google Salem band or Salem music mm. because there is literally like a dozen other <laughs> rappers and um. indie artists out there with the band or project name Salem. Interesting. So this is going to be an in, this is going to be a hard thing to look up, <laughs> but you know if you see Will Gould on there, um, you know you, you probably have the right thing. But uh, he's going to be he's going to be uh, teaming up with his uh, music partner there, and they're going to be releasing a self titled EP just uh, up really quick, just in a couple of weeks on October twenty third. They have a new single out there called "Destroy Me," and uh, I mean you probably haven't heard the song, but the song is really good, and it's kind of like. It, it, it kind of pairs really nicely with a uh, creeper's musical style. Uh, it's not quite creeper. It's kind of more in a little bit, a little bit more accessible um, uh, music fashion, a little mm-hmm. bit of more pop elements, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man. Oh, is there anything about any clippings going on in the, in the EP? Clipping? What kind of wings are we clipping? Clipping. Hephaestus <laughs> wings. So I'll, I'll look forward to this. October 23rd has turned out to be an incredibly busy new music day. Good me. God. Seriously. But so uh, I mean, we very busy. Yeah. I mean, speaking of very busy, this is breaking news, like literally breaking. Like I, I read know. this 20 minutes before we started. Uh, <laughs> thanks to listener Daniel. Uh, this news was broken like a you know three days prior to us recording. But Meg Myers, you know that is a show. She's a show favorite here. Uh, we, oh, you know, we, yeah. we we're falling in love with all of her albums uh, so, thus far. Both, uh, both of them. Yeah, and then the EP, <laughs> which has most of the songs from the second album. But, oh yeah, uh, but first, uh, album. first album. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and uh, what do you call it? Earlier, I think, or maybe it was late last year, she made a quick little announcement like, hey, guys, I'm writing for my new album. It should be out in 2020. Well, since 2020 fucking sucks and, you know, nobody gets what they fucking want this year, you know, but I, I just figured that like, oh, those plans must have just been pushed to 2020. And I just kind of gave up on hearing any um, news from this. But yeah, breaking news. Thank you. Dan- thank you, Daniel, for sending us this way. She's going to be releasing not one, but three, not four. But two <laughs> EPs on the same day. That's coming up again really quick, uh, uh, coming up really soon on November 13th. Those EPs are going to be called Thank You, the letter U, for the number four, taking me number two, the disco. <laughs> and oh. the, uh, the second EP is I'd like number two, <clears throat> go home now. Now that to me sounds like the events of a really bad night. <laughs> It's well, like, yo, you want to go to? The t- I want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like, and it all probably spans just the drive home. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. When was the last album? 2018. It's been a while. 2018. Right? Yeah, take me to the disco. So um, I'm, I'm ready for something new, and you know, two EPs. I don't know why you can't just call that an album, but that's fine. Whatever. Well, I don't do have what the, you gotta do. 
I didn't have the time to look up this, or even if it's out there, the track listing for either of these. But I have right. a sneaking suspicion that maybe "Thank You for Taking Me to the Disco" is like reimagined versions of songs that take me to the disco. Where that is terrible. I'd like I'd like to go home now is probably where some more original songs are. No. Uh, there is a new single out there which I kind of listened to briefly before we started to. It's called "Any Way You Want to Love." Uh, this is what Mrs. Myers, Miss Myers, has to say about it. Any Way You Want to Love is a song about waking up to the divinity within each and every one of us and Whoa. stepping into our power as sovereign beings. Ooh. No more making ourselves small by repeating patterns that have been passed down to us. It's time to heal our ancestral lineage. Mm. I believe we are all connected through love and that and that we are all we all have unique gifts and abilities and it's important to us to learn how to get pre- how to get present and tune into what our bodies are trying to tell us and express this truth in our hearts in order to liberate ourselves and consciously evolve now that is a run on sentence but <laughs> i'm just saying somebody had to say it i mean it's, it's, it's about time it's about time somebody put it in words i've been following miss meyer's like socials for like you know last couple of years she's definitely been going on a personal journey of enlightenment mm. and i think some of these new songs and she also announced uh there's still an album coming out in 2021 uh so more new music down the road as well this i guess it's maybe the uh the uh the kickstarting of that maybe there's going to be songs on this e- one of these eps that's going to be on the full album go- down the line but yeah Meg Myers is is going hard on this and uh we i'm looking forward to this new direction from her this new kind of perspective of hers because you know i mean as corny as it sounds like all, everything that she stated with this song is like shit yeah dude i'm i'm all about that shit so let's let's connect through love man do it for once god you should check out the song any way you want to live when you get a chance at him it's 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 super kind of like ethereal it kind of gives you this kind of um not horror, but kind of like a moody atmosphere, I suppose. Mm. Uh, so it definitely kind of hints at the her, the next step in her career. Because I, I listened to the song this week called Hot Dog that really oh. gave me the same kind of feelings. But maybe we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, that song yeah. is... I mean, speaking of songs that like connect us all through love <laughs> and help us to channel our gifts and our abilities. Right. I mean, that's the song right there. <laughs> And also, anyway, quick new, and also quick news, Meg Myers has signed uh, with uh, Sumerian Records. Mm, that's and, right. So, I mean, geez, good on Sumerian Records. They used to be like the hardcore punk uh, label, but they've been branching out and picking up all these very unique artists. I know. We haven't heard the whole EPs yet, but they might be hardcore punk. It might be a hardcore punk, man. This is the year <laughs> of change, dude. We're, we're, I mean, she's like, she's channeling her unique gifts and abilities and, you know, connecting through spirituality and love, you know? <laughs> somebody's got to do it absolutely folks do you hear that do you do you hear that coming down the way oh my god it's time for this week's album track by track (laughs) breakdown I kind of forgot what the segment was called, so I was stalling for a bit. But <laughs> please forgive me, folks. Uh oh. The year is 2000. It was a uh, year. It was a year that most want to forget. Hmm. I mean, it was a it was a different world out there. This is a pre 
9-11 world out there. The year is, oct- uh, the, the month is October 17th. We are, we are on the Seventh. cusp. Seventh. Uh, oh, is it? Yes. October 7th, 2000. Okay. Well, we are now on the cusp of the 20 year anniversary of chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water folks this is a <sighs> seminal album mm. not in just your life but in mine <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can a... i can tell you pretty much blow by blow you know lonely blow by blow where i was for that entire summer when those singles started dropping and uh, fred durst's face and backwards hat were everywhere um, the red cap that the the, the the red cat that really symbolizes all the friends we made along the way. Really, I mean, <laughs> Limp Biscuit is the voice of our generation, specifically my generation. Adam, where were you in 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 the in the year that was the biscuit? So, you know that that first year after you complete col- like your first year of college, um, or no, second year of college for me. This was so I. I, I was, you know, obviously 19 years old. Um, I, what did I do? That, w- that was the first summer that I didn't have any school or any job, you know, in my, like for that entire span of time, like the fir- for the first time in my entire life, I went like three months without a job and being out of school for the summer. So that summer was sitting around watching a lot of TV and not really doing much productive, but thinking to yourself, Hey, I'm 19 years old. I'm an adult now. I should be like doing things that adults do and having fun like adults are supposed to have. And so in turn, I didn't have any of that. And so I would turn on TRL and try to try to connect (laughs) with my fellow youths out there. You know, you gave gave it the old college try, but you know, so you turn on the TV. (laughs) Cause you know, you'd get sick of watching VH1 for a while and uh, you know, their lack of studio audiences. And then you turn on your TRL at three 30 every day for an hour. And you're just bombarded by boy bands. And then this, 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 this backwards hat, uh, scary looking guitar player, rap rock fusion mix thing going on that you, you hadn't heard before. Um, and I was, I was like, Whoa, this, does not seem to be like good music whatsoever. What a um, fresh new sound. And I had heard about that whole like, oh man, did you know that metal band did that Faith cover? And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, this <laughs> is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then leading up to that also was all the the significant other singles and the break stuffs and the nookies. And it's and like, that wow. that all took place in 1999 too. Right. And it's this a, was a and, quick and turnaround. One short year later, we got the Chocolate Starfish. Right. Now, was... What is your relationship to Limp Bizkit? Was this a band that you were ever nope interested in like did you like did, did you groove with any of their songs at all nope i uh mm. i remember my my more macho friends being like yeah it's all about the he said she said and yeah mm. don't don't you want to break stuff and this guy's finally saying what we're all thinking and i was just like <laughs> what <"Okay."> a pie <laughs> and i was just like okay i i don't get it but that's fine this this band isn't going to be like you know that that important and then like quick turnaround to chocolate starfish and fred durst is on trl with carson daly like every other minute and uh just you were bombarded and then i think was it was my way the first single 
Uh, no. So the first singles were uh, both Generation and Roland, mm. which 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 released at the same time, and even the settings of the music video took place in the same uh, all the same settings and the same backup dancers and things like that. So they were so they wow. were filmed at the same time, and they were they were meant to be like interchangeable, mm-hmm. uh, not in like a like oh well one day we'll play Roland and one day we'll play gener- my generation. So they were just meant to be co-singles, I suppose. Interesting. Cause I do not remember that my generation song. I remember. I well, Roland it. was the Roland was the runaway hit. Yeah. Right? And so my way. Like, it's my yeah. way. My way. No, it's my way. way. No, so for... Adam, shut up. It's, it's my way. <laughs> <laughs> so take a look around. There it is. That was the first single, May 30th of 2000. So it was so... a promotional single because of mm-hmm. a movie that came out. Uh, Mission Impossible. (laughs) Mission Impossible 2. (laughs) Everyone's favorite Mission Impossible movie. Right. And uh, I knew like Metallica was on that soundtrack. Yes. That was like the first the first Napster song that started all the craze. I was going to bring that up. So yeah, that song uh, was I forget the name of that Metallica song, but it was released. Uh, It was going to be released on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. But, you know, with the advent of uh, Napster, people were like, I don't want to buy a whole soundtrack just for the one song. I'm just going to download it here on Napster. Right. And uh, yeah, Metallica didn't take to that, take too kindly to that. And right. thus the Metallica. But Limp Bizkit did. Limp Bizkit L- took very kindly to it. Oh, they were like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had, I mean, as, out here, we're doing it all the time. So you I mean, as Fred Durst will let you know shortly, like they've, they're a multi-platinum selling band. So like, what does they care if you download? Take a look around. I know. You know you're you're going to buy chocolate starfish, so it doesn't matter. So I remember take a look around, and obviously you can't get away from how good that riff is. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, I mean, yeah. It's like you, you kind of turned it into a cover song, but it's also an original at the same time. And he represents new era in in that song. Like he's like, I'm always going to be standing up for new era in my in my red cap that gets a gets a bad rap from all these critics <laughs> and it's just like yeah sticking it to the wait no helping the corporations i don't know what it is <laughs> hail corporate <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see it wasn't until uh, a specific day in october um, of 2000 that mm-hmm. my generation and roland were released happy birthday um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i i have no I, I i don't remember my birthday that year if, if anything it was it was a very somber occasion. <laughs> so I, no idea. So um, for those of us who are around our kind of age range, you might remember that from like 99, maybe even 98, maybe late 98, like to 90 to 99 to 2000 and even into 2001, Limp Biscuit was just bombarding the radio stations, the TRLs, the other channels that, that play music videos. They were just fucking everywhere, dude. Mm-hmm. And I think, chocolate starfish is would you say this is the peak of their popularity definitely yeah because nookie kind of took them to that zenith and then mm-hmm. they struck while the iron was hot with this one and absolutely um, you know it, it, it paid off very well for them i mean when you listen to it and you're like oh i can see how rushed this whole thing kind of was um yeah we'll talk a little bit sense, about that uh still we people were track track people review, but uh, people were buying albums at that time like crazy and it sold over a million copies its first mm-hmm. week so man multi-platinum baby doing but, it uh, all the time what doing it's it all the time get some better beats and uh, get some better rhymes uh, but uh, we'll... <laughs> i can i can i can literally 
uh, you know, recite those lyrics from start yes. to finish. So this did not grab me. I, I took the Scott Stapp route um, around this time and mm-hmm. uh, was listening more to, I hadn't gotten into grunge, but I was listening to this and Creed and, and, and Chili Peppers and Metallica. That was kind of my jam. You probably at, made the right choice. Days. I but just, I always felt I did. <laughs> a young, but a young teenage Mike. me who, you know, at this age is a bit lost uh, mm. existentially, is bullied constantly, is trying to go through, is trying to navigate his place in in this small world, especially on the small island I lived on when this came out. Were you on Guam at this point? I was, yes. Okay. So in a time where like my peers all looked like Fred Durst, where they were, oh. my peers all kind of dressed like Fred Durst and Corn and uh, Wu- the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, and I very much did not. Mm-hmm. I looked at Limp Biscuit and... As a gateway. I, as a kind <laughs> of a gateway into that thing. Yes. Not just as like, you know, I definitely have to try to reinvent myself. Otherwise, people are just going to keep beating me up. And when I say beating me up, I mean like literally like holding me down, beating me up. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating with that. So, so this track by track review is going to be a little bum is, is going to have a little bit of a bummer. I just kind of realized that when I was re-listening to this album this past week. And the, and by the way, the inspiration for re-listening to this is uh, initially because of the, I was listening to the skinny seconds and then this album came up, spoiler alert. And Adam, you said, like you will never ever touch this album. <laughs> I never ever wanted to. <laughs> you never ever wanted to. That was three years ago, and right. I just figured like, hey, you want to just do this for fun? And then I, and then going into you know the research of this, I realized, oh my god, it's the twenty year anniversary of this album. So like, <laughs> nobody's talking about that. Oddly, nobody's enough. talking. Who would have, dude? The skinny, we're pioneers, dude. Just like we Fred are. Durst, he mixes rap, he mixes rock. Boom, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> can't can't explain that. But uh, so anyway, back to my story. Yes, I looked up to Fred Durst as a way to be like, this is my entryway into being cool. Yes, you know, because he represented that cool dude, bro, that everybody wanted to be around. And boy, yes. if you weren't fourteen and wanted the same exact thing in your world, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And with with songs like we'll get to like Full Nelson and like even like my generation. And then there's like other songs like, you know, down the road, like there's lyrics in there that like I was screaming in my own head because of my own internal frustration due to like not being liked, being, you know, having all this frustration of like, you know, fuck all of you, you fucking phonies and like not being a tough guy. This album made me feel like a tough guy, you know? And it's as sad as that may sound. That's what I believed back in the day. So, yes. you know what? Uh, maybe we should just jump right into it now because we're already getting into like lyrical themes. But uh, is there anything? Is there anything else before we get started? Um, I don't think so, except for the fact that it's interesting how you and I, being six years apart, mm-hmm. how we had completely different interpretations yeah absolutely you were yeah you were 20 when this came out right and i was just like wow what a douchebag (laughs) i can't believe people want to be like him (laughs) and me being a lost confused bullied 14 year old with Mm -hmm. no real direction in his in his teen years i and i was like wow i should be just like him (laughs) (laughs) 
Like this guy seems to know what he's talking about. So this very much going into like we're very much going in revisiting this album twenty years later from two very different mindsets. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I mean, right, probably rightfully so. Like hated it from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I idolized it, and I have this special nostalgia for it because this mm-hmm. is another album that like. I scratched up because I listened to it a little too much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know most of the lyrics uh, from front to back. So this is going to be like a weird one to kind of revisit. You know, I, I'll be very interested to get your thoughts into it because this is your first time ever listening to the full yes. thing, right? I had cool. never listened to anything other than the singles. And, uh, yeah. Cool. I was I was so happy that they, they faded off after this album. <laughs> but it was a yeah. long time from 2000 until they finally, like, released their next album in 03 and then disappeared slowly yeah. slowly after that they kind of they kind of did a, a little bit of a low effort kind of album called new old songs the year after where they just kind of remixed some of their you know hit singles and right. you know I, I that was the last limp biscuit album i ever bought and okay like, you, results may vary in 2003 was not your jam uh so my <laughs> sister got that and i oh. listened to it once and i was like nah <laughs> so I'm yeah moving that was, on. There's this band Seosin I'm really into right now. Oh, (laughs) I'm a cool kid, right? I can grab my bangs. I've never sweated while driving to work listening to Chocolate Starfish, as far as I know. So, Exactly. (laughs) So, folks, without further ado, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time, this is Chocolate Starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Are we starting from... Are we starting from intro or are we starting from hot dog? <laughs> uh, let's start from intro because there's something I want to say about it. We don't have to listen okay. to the whole thing. So, so in three, two, one. So, oh, are you ready, by the way? I'm ready. Okay, Go in it. three, two, one, play. So we've got this cool little alien thing. He's on a mission to observe mm. the humans. <laughs> and what better human to observe right. than, limp, than Fred Durst and his limp biscuit? Our limp and biscuit. His, and his limp biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, being, uh, being a sexually repressed 14 year old, uh, I, I didn't fully get what the chocolate starfish (laughs) and the hot dog flavored water was. Man. Did you get it right away? You had Uh, no, no, I, 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 I learned much later that it was in regards to a butthole, but I learned this week that it was in regards to Fred Durst himself being the asshole. And he's, oh. and he's owning that as like, hey, I'm I'm the chocolate starfish. I'm the asshole. Everybody's saying I'm an asshole. So blah blah blah. I'm an asshole. Blah. So yeah. So that was that was fine. <laughs> I mean, like, and then hot dog flavored water is semen, right? I, mean, I thought that, that was vagin- va- vaginals. Oh really? I I don't know. When I was a kid, like everyone <laughs> th- said it was cum. So like, okay. Oh, by the way, I've never, I've never beat- tasted tasted. Uh, semen so I, i'm not sure if it tastes like hot dog flavored water <laughs> folks ask, ask your friends i assumed uh, you know the other end of the spectrum of before the, we go to hot dog hot, this sorry. beat really fucking good all right anyway moving on to hot dog adam this is your favorite song right well i had never heard it before and uh it's 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 not good i'm just gonna you say. you sent me a gif react up after your first listen to this song and mm-hmm. it was so accurate. <laughs> yes, I just typed in "what the fuck" into into the go- into the GIF search, and uh, yeah, because I, apparently this is a song. I mean, I, I this is a song that the Lonely Island would have done. I I, I got that. And bringing it back boy, around to boy, I hadn't me heard these... really quick. Yes, <laughs> this was a song that uh, was the inspiration to. Uh, Makilla's Fuck It World. There you go. Of course it is. <laughs> second to our Bi Curious album. 
Oh, I just like, like if anybody didn't know after this song that this was like a fake band, <laughs> you know, th- this was a character being played. Mm. Like, it makes so much more sense. I, I hope that pe- people didn't listen to this and be like, yeah, he's like making a huge commentary on society, and he's, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, this, this is what started the what became the trump revolution of 2020 i mean you think so this album started that so <laughs> well i i mean like you you say like who out there could think that this is a real band can i can i give you a hint at well 14 year old mike I, yeah, yeah yeah that's me baby <laughs> yeah like this was like the uh, the epitome of like like especially with my mindset back in the day of like like man everyone's everyone fucking sucks everyone hates me so fuck you you guys you guys just bully me so fuck you guys so like this song like spoke to me i didn't i didn't hear like i maybe the irony of course maybe of course the irony was like lost on me right so like this was like an anthem in my mind you know as sad as it (laughs) i know know? and you you probably didn't listen to a lot of hip-hop prior to this i would imagine right? uh not too much just like stuff yeah. on the radio right there's because there was like you know dmx and mm-hmm. uh, you know which we'll get to a little bit later you know, there's, <laughs> there's like wu-tang songs on the radio right and stuff, like, i mean i see and stuff. i'm pretty sure that most rap in the 90s was saying this kind of stuff just from more of an ethnic side of things yeah of course yeah but you know so going back to this 20 years later in hindsight it's like Wow, this is a fucking terrible song, dude. <laughs> and then, of course, like the the, the shout out well, to uh, to Nine Inch Nails too. Uh, that like was so weird. It didn't fit whatsoever. But then I'm just like, he's just writing lyrics out of his ass. He's not trying to like do anything special. He's just yeah. like he's writing a quick album so that they can put it out fast. You know, you look yeah. at it from an adult perspective. He was 30 when he wrote this album. I just want to throw yeah. that out there. <laughs> but the, also, you 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 touched upon like how quick the turnaround was for this album and like it shows in really poor bridges like this this oh is God. the one of the worst bridges of the oh. album yeah he the, the the amount of references to his anus throughout this entire album <laughs> is is difficult to it's difficult to stomach <laughs> to take right? seriously yeah so and again if i was 14 no, I wouldn't have been there at 14 either. Well, I mean, like, you at 14 versus me at 14 are two very Maybe. different animals, you know? <sighs> but I think me at, like, 12 or 13, I'm, I might have been in that same vein where mm. you were at at 14. So it's interesting. Okay. Well, this is Adam's your, this is your favorite song, so we actually had to talk right through the whole thing. <laughs> and, like, and, like, without joking, though, that song fucking fascinates me because of how dumb it is <laughs> i feel like my generation was not as big of a single either that no, or it i definitely wasn't, wasn't okay i wasn't exposed to it as much as, as i was with the other ones yeah i mean like this was like like, like i mentioned earlier my generation and roland were um same uh, co-singles they were released at and the same time but i like, heard roland, roland was a lot the, yeah roland was the runaway hit that was because that mean that if you compare them to roland is like yeah. the catchier one I guess that's so. the, and that one has a dance to it too so like <laughs> and anytime like a single comes out with a dance like people seem to, you know yeah. uh, flocked that one a little bit more yeah I remember it well so you don't recognize this at all uh, I, I remember the chorus vaguely like I may have heard it a few times mm, but okay. uh, but I don't know where I would have heard it from did you enjoy anything about this song though? 
Not really. Because I, I think, like, musically, it's very interesting. It's, there's, like, a lot of cool, like, musical layers in there. A bit overproduced. It's, it's a little too grating on the senses. But, like, if you take those elements and separate them out, like, listen to the, listen to the West Portland's guitar work a little bit. Fucking funky, dude. It's, like, it's it got some of that, like, yeah. Well, it's got, he like... Was, he was the glue of this band. Like, he's, oh, what yeah, made yeah. Them, he's what made them credible at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can't argue with that. I never could argue with him being a great guitar player. Oh yeah, absolutely. but then you just like, throw in these. It's like, hey guys, I'm a Yeah, musically, like Limp Biscuit was a very talented band, uh, and this and they were popular at a time when like when hip hop and hard rock didn't really marry very well. I mean, a lot of right. there were bands that like played around with that kind of stuff, but I right. think like Limp Biscuit was one that like kind of found success mm-hmm. in in the way that they blended it and you know the right. you know the John Ottos and the and, and, and West Borlands like they and and even their even their their DJ, DJ Lethal, like mm-hmm. they add a lot of stuff and they're really talented guys. So like it's so if but you, it's if you Fred, have yeah, right. it's the character of Fred Durst <laughs> that kind of makes it kind of like jarring, right? Right. Because he it's like like Finn McGinty says Mm-hmm. He's like, it's like he knew that he wasn't talented, but if you surround yourself with talented people, sometimes it can work for, you know, a, a, a brief period of time. If you hit that lightning in the bottle thing, which just kind of worked out for them for those three yeah, years. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I could, I could never argue with that. Whenever people would say like, oh, Limp Bizkit's the greatest band ever. I was always like, well, musically, it seems good. <laughs> like, I would always fall back on that uh, when yeah. I was 20. And, uh, and and then like no man he's talking about you know being angry and, and what you gotta do with your anger mm-hmm. and then it turns out he was writing about being a bullied kid and then a bunch of bullies started listening to his music <laughs> I know they and, they co-opted <laughs> our music dude <laughs> but, but I can't even imagine this being like music for the bullied like that doesn't connect in my brain it's the energy <laughs> I think it was they, they see the way Fred Durst dresses and they feel his energy and his charisma and they're like oh this is definitely speaking to me in my gigantic truck but uh you know but you know if you listen to the lyrics let's actually let's move on though track okay. four uh it's Full Nelson uh Full so Nelson. this is a song that oh my god when I first heard it and I understood what what it was about this was like my mm-hmm. anthem dude this is like <laughs> I was waiting. Yes. I kept waiting for this to be a music video because, like, mm. in my head, I, like, I directed the music video in my fucking head. Ooh, <laughs> and of course, nice. it starred me, right? Because, like, you know, I was <laughs> trying to be in in this scene. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, so, so in in the music video of my head, it's just acting out what the lyrics are. It's just acting out what the lyrics are. It's like thirty-year-old man with daddy issues. Hey, man, fourteen-year-old man with daddy issues. To this I mean, day, he, 34-year-old man with daddy issues. He, he brought down, like, all of all of this to a 14-year-old level, you know? And yeah, then, there's no, you're right. There's nothing deep about these lyrics, right? <laughs> they're so blunt. They're so in-your-face. And, right. they're, they're, and they they don't quite talk down to your audience, but they you're right. It's on that level. And you've seen it, Dude Bros say lyrics from this album for the last 20 years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've heard... You've heard dudes with backwards hats, you know, p- pissed off, yelling at somebody who's, who's who's looking at them wrong. You know, you're at you're, you're you're 
Because your mouth's right, right checks, yeah. but your ass can't cash. <laughs> and like, it's such and, a dumb line. And like going back but, to like the yes. way this album always made me feel, it made me feel like a tough guy. Because when yeah. I was this age, like I was a scrawny little thing. I didn't right. like, I didn't get my height until like 15 or so. So I was a mm. tiny little scrawny dude That's true. with like oversized clothes that didn't fit me. And like when I wasn't wearing my cool oversized clothes, I was wearing like hand-me-down shit from like the thrift store that I would get bullied for wearing. So wow. like this, like this energy, this charisma, this mm-hmm. this, this this like frustration. This guy with the world. understands me. Fred Durst understands me personally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I, I, I value that that's what you experienced. <laughs> I, I, that's all, and that's all I can say. <laughs> you like that I liked it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So did this so song make me understand? No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, but it makes me understand why so many people were drawn to it. Mm-hmm. You know, where I mean, I, I really don't think I was just like trying to be a cool, like anti-pop music kind of guy when I was not liking this 20 years ago. Like. It just did not speak to me in that same way. So, but I'm glad it helped some. Dude, this bridge. And then burn this <laughs> motherfucker down. Motherfucker down. And like, except so his lyrics. Uh, lyrics was just a year ago, but oh yeah, burn dude. this motherfucker down. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about Woodstock, yeah. But uh, his lyrics aside, how do you feel about Fred Durst as a vocalist? No, no, oh, yeah? it's all bad. Okay. I mean, I mean, he can scream, but he, but no. Because <laughs> I'm getting like issues vibes right now, dude. Okay, not me at all. I'm sure okay. it has like, some bonish kind of stuff to it. You guys are No, that's exactly like, like I said. I feel like there's the swagger of Tyler Carter. Rest in peace, Tyler Carter. I mean, your career. <laughs> but, uh, and then like there's like the aggression of Michael Bowen, you know. So I think. Mm. You know, those guys are like my age too, so like you can tell like they were inspired by bands like this and albums like this when they, you know, started to write their band. I know but back the, when T- Tyler Carter was what eight when this album came out, I think something like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on from the outro here. This is the another huge single for them. This is track five, "My Way," or the highway. I hate mm. the song with a. Oh, you passion. do? Oh, All I was thinking you might like this song. This is this is the Trump song right here. This is Trump 2010, 2016, 2020, 2024. I mean, it's everybody who supports Trump. This is their theme song right here. Oh, my. You think you're special. Yeah. I I, I fucking love this song. I think it's, like, musically a a, a breath of fresh air for for this band that's been for, like, you know, for however long that they've been in the public consciousness. It's a bit of a, you know... It's, it's a bit of a palate cleanser, I think, you know? We're not, we're not used to hearing them this kind of... Um, oh, I, was like, I, was, I like the bass there. That's what I would always oh, yeah, say. Dude. Musically, this band was fine. Just those lyrics. Those... You know, I wonder if... Like, if they did any sort of thing with, like, you know, kind of audio slavish, where they, you know, they did a side project thing or a side band with another vocalist. I wonder how successful that would have been. Hmm, interesting. Well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> they still they still tour today and have been meaning to put out an album for the last nine years mm-hmm. that hasn't seen the light of day. Yeah. So. 
and and also Wes Borland too. Like I remember a recent interview of his is like how frustrated he is every time they play live at some festival. It's always mm-hmm. like the people in the front row want to hear our, our you know our, our new stuff because that's what they're there for, and then mm-hmm. everybody else in the in the crowd, mm-hmm. like the thousands of people, just want to hear my way and my generation mm-hmm. rolling, and like and so it's frustrating to, to, to them as a band. Yeah, play break stuff. I drank break. six beers. Play break stuff. <laughs> I want to break my breaking face tonight. <laughs> well, but let's no, move this, on then. Oh, go ahead. This was never my jam. I'm sorry. Man, this is one of my favorite songs in this album. I, and like, it was kind of a fun to revisit this too. You know? It kind of its placement in this album, how kind of refreshing it is from kind of toning down a little bit, which is different for this band. But, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, I'm not offended that you don't like, and I completely understand. Okay. Let's move on though. Track Rollin? six is Roland, partner. At least this one's not for Ben Stiller, right? This one is not for Ben Stiller. Okay, Ben Stiller, don't uh, don't listen to this. That's the next track. <laughs> I hate this song. You hate I, this song. I I, I, I will Nothing let you take the about floor. It? I will let you take the floor. You know what? This song is about nothing, and you know, and, and I read the lyrics too, just to make sure that there's nothing I'm missing. It's just a dance song. This is good for festival crowd. Oh yeah, this is this is the song that was written to like pump the crowd up live. Right. Well, I remember them. And it's got a dance. I remember watching TRL. I remember TRL when they were like building up the the episode to to showing the video for the first time, and Fred Durst was just like he was doing doing the thing, and he was getting the whole crowd to do the, the steering wheel. Yeah. And I was just like, what's going on? What? What's go-? They didn't even say like the song's called Roland or anything until like the end of the episode. And then I just watched it and I was just like, oh my God. That was a God, waste of my time. <laughs> no, this can't be happening. <laughs> what is it about this song that annoys you so much? Is it oh, just kind of like, is, 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 does it just seem obnoxious to you? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the vocals. Musically, you know, it's good. It's, it's heavy. Um, because yeah. I'm getting like hardcore issues vibes, and I know like I like issues more than you do, so maybe that's where the disconnect is. Mm. So, you know, this song, as overplayed as it was 20 years ago, I still think it's a fun little bop, dude. I think, yeah. And this stupid little bridge right here, where he's talking to himself. <laughs> I, yes. I, I still play this in my head like every now and then for the last yes. 20 years. No. <laughs> so I mean, stupid. it's just it's just about how great they are. Yeah. It's in the mosh pit. Yeah, this is just a this is just your kind of classic hip hop song where you, we talk mm-hmm. about how great we are as a band. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about my platinum records and you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Just it's just a bragging so, song. It's I mean, bomb. compared to the rest of the album, which is all about how everybody's everybody hates him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's definitely it, the first it's... part of the album, and then later on, we're gonna start getting introspective, baby. Or did you miss that part? <laughs> oh no, it, it does get introspective, but it's yeah, still it does. it's still. You know, why is everybody treating me like this? Yeah. <laughs> it's still all externalized. <laughs> well, we've all heard this song hundreds of times. At least I have. So let's go ahead and move on. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's, can, up in let's, 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 let's call our friend. I know all uh, the words. I know oh, all you the do. words. Yeah. So you do love it. Okay. All right. <laughs> ben Stiller will always be my favorite. Ben motherfucker. Stiller will be our favorite motherfucker. This is track seven. I had Living no idea. Up. I had no idea that they did this song at the 2000 MTV Awards because I, I saw that when Christina Aguilera shows up 
And oh, that's right. That's what and, that was this song. Yeah. Oh, it's and, interesting. Miss Aguilera, come get some. Where he tries to be yeah. Cypress Hill. Um, and it's like, it's so bad, dude. <laughs> Ooh, <that's laughs> he flin- a, he flinches at her like he's gonna punch her. That's not. That's not good. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the performance? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it was twenty years ago, and you know, that's that's definitely frowned upon these days. <laughs> but you know, and I of know. course, made you uncomfortable twenty years ago, of course. But you know, that was. But he was got to be a tough guy, right? He was getting under my skin, and that's exactly what worked. Mm. I bought so many albums because of it, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but it, when you saw that, did you realize he was playing a character, or did you think that this no. was his persona? I really thought this was him as a person because I knew I knew thirty guys in in middle school and high school that represented the same exact thing. Especially, you know, keep my pants sagging and a spray can for the tagging. Yeah. Like, <laughs> was like when I was a, when I was yeah, a, when I was yeah. a kid, like I I I was all about because I was also into skateboarding at this time too. So I was like, oh my god, and like baggy pants and shit like that. So yeah, like, man, he understands me. He understands me. Yeah. <laughs> Little did I know, I just I just ate up the marketing of this. I know. You know? He's a and, he's a he's a fucking. I think he's like a and Finn McKinty like, you know, brought this up too. Like he's like a. He's like a idiot savant almost, mm. you know. Not well, so much, maybe not an idiot savant, but like he knows exactly how to market himself. And the uh, the whole pant sagging craze of the early '90s had pretty much faded by 2000. And the only ones who were still doing it were the to- total wannabes. Yeah. So like I like I me. loved all this. <laughs> Well, it's yes, okay. There I was, were, I, were also legit, 20, I was a total, I was, I was a total wannabe. Yeah. There were a tons of twenty-year-olds that were doing it as well. Mm. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it just it never connected with me. By then, I had pulled my pants up, and <laughs> I was still wearing very baggy clothes. But that's because I was, you know, very large you're man. Gr- you're a, but you're also a grunge man, which you know that was that was a style as well. I know, but I also had to wear larger clothes to make myself not feel so large. But, you know, that, you know, I still had the baggy pants, so that'd be like, oh man, my I mean, pants still feel loose. <laughs> I mean, I did it because Fred Durst told me to do it. So, you know, very, I did again, it. very different divide between you and me back into the year two thousand. Right. You know? <laughs> I was like, put on my my forty six pants to feel more comfortable today. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, one thing I do like about the song too, like again, musically, like we keep talking about, like the 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 transition between like the verse and the chorus, very cool. I love I love that really. I love that kind of tremolo that uh, that West Portland's doing in the verse, and then boom, right into the power chords, right into the uh, right into the chorus. Very taking cool. taking an Eagles song when the Eagles are like the most soft core band of all time, <laughs> right? <laughs> and turning it into a heavy metal song is interesting. I don't like it, but it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking microphone, blow it in my soul. I'm a renegade, right, blowing out mm. of control. Fuck! This got me fucking pumped up, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, Ben Stiller! Fuck yep. yeah!" I know. <laughs> I mean, why why Ben Stiller needed to be mentioned, we'll never know. But <laughs> well, apparently they're like into movies. It's, so well, apparently, worked. yeah. This is back in the day too. Like they were like good friends. I remember seeing like pictures of them like hanging out on like red carpets. And Fred Durst like was friends with everybody, and it really helped his career. He Absolutely. was you know, vice president of the freaking Interscope Records, A&R, whatever. The, yeah, so he was like, president of the ANR uh, segment of uh, Interscope. He spent more time focusing on that than the music, by far. He's a schmoozer, dude. He's a schmoozer. he's he's a I, like, 
no joke, he's a ma and I didn't realize till, till recently until like that Finn McKinty video. Like, wow, he's like a multi-talented dude. And, like so. Yeah, well, and, and, and we ate it all up, baby. I knew that his fame was going to be fleeting too. Mm -hmm. So you know, he, he he dipped his hand into different segments of the music career. This is track eight, the one. What'd you feel about this song? Well, he's looking for he's looking for that one lucky lady. Mm, and I mean, Mrs. All, Durst. All, all these previous seven tracks. I mean, I don't know why like a woman isn't just like in love with him when you're gonna be with a guy who who blames the world for all of his problems and <laughs> only does things his way. But you know, at least we can we know he's he, he's he's searching. He's trying to find somebody who will complete him. And you know what? We're, and he's singing. We're all. We're all... We're, we're all worthy of love, you know. If 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 we wanna, if we wanna, you know, work on ourselves and put ourselves out there to, to find that one. Good on you, Mister Durst. All find he wanted, Durst. he wanted, he wanted Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. That's all he was going and, for. And or Britney Spears, yes. <laughs> and, he, and he's singing on this. I don't know how much actual melody he had used in previous albums. It it, it comes in and out because I've also. I also I also had a significant other the, the album as well, and there's he does like some singing in there too. So this is this isn't like new territory for him, but uh, you know, it's not great. It's not. Oh great. man, <laughs> give, give me a hint. Dude. Are there any songs on this album that you like, we'll, or is this we'll a big fat we'll zero? See. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> it's it's that seven minutes of laughing that Ben Stiller does in the outro. Oh god, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this song, just like with um, uh, My Way, this is a cool little palette, front, pal palette cleanser. You know, we can't have all super aggressive, I mean, I'm sure some people would like that, but like we can't have all super aggressive songs about being bullied, right? right. That bullies will co-opt so. into <laughs> being their anthems. <laughs> but, uh, but but that I mean, being said, sure this they, is like... Did they ever the play this song live? You think? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person, dude. But, Why are uh, these songs so long, too? Man. I don't know. <laughs> Well, one thing I, I will give this album credit for, maybe it's because I, I'm also super familiar with it. P the pacing-wise, it, it kind of breezes through. I don't, I don't, I didn't really feel the album's length too much. I would, maybe I was, you did. I was skipping you were over. Struggling. I was skipping over the singles, and the album was still 45 minutes long. Mm. So it just goes for a long, long time. Okay. But this this one has like a weird little outro thing. Yeah, it does. It has like that phone call. I think it was right. Uh, oh no! It's no, like the, it's like a it's musical like a, thing. Yeah, a little hip hop beat thing. Yeah, it's it's right. it's fine. I mean, as, as much of a palate cleanser as I feel like this album is, or this this song is, it is one of the most the least interesting songs. Right. It's pretty it's, formulaic. It's a bizarre song to put on this album. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm a badass motherfucker, but I hope you're the one. For me, girl, I love you. I hope girl, you're the one. I know you, girl. Living life in the fast lane. Uh, let's go ahead and move on then to track nine. Get your groove on with Exhibit. Yes. Exhibit. Mm -hmm. Music by by DJ Lethal. Mm. Exhibit. What was that show that he was on? The car show. Pimp My Ride. Yeah, that's the one. I'll, I'll go with yes. Yeah. <laughs> with Pimp My Ride's own Exhibit. Was Exhibit part of Wu-Tang? Um, it doesn't look like it according to his Wikipedia. Oh, okay. I can't tell, like, I can't I can't remember who was who was in and who was not out of Wu-Tang, yeah. so whatever. I don't believe so. 
old dirty bastard. That's that's the name I remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this so, song's this song's pretty. Bleh. This is a rap song. It is, and you know, and Limp Bizkit is you know is is in that uh, in that scene. But there there are very few rap uh, Limp Bizkit songs that I enjoy. And together now from Significant Other is a yes. legit amazing song. I think I remember liking that one. Yeah, that one has a Method Man in it. And it's fucking good, yeah. dude. That was the one that I was I was talking about in 2017 that I knew oh, I liked. Right on, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know which album it was on, but yeah. I do remember liking that song. Yeah, I mean, all these singles come out so close to one another, it's hard to tell which album they're on, right? But the, yeah, and together now, it's probably like the best. Uh, I mean, granted, I've never heard every single Limp Bizkit album, but like, and together now, the best rap Limp Bizkit song that I've ever heard. So yeah, this does nothing for me. It's just kind of like there, and like the the, the background is a little, the background music's a little creating because it just kind of plays on loop. It doesn't really change it up a little much. But it's basically whatever. like you need to make connections with all the industries, and this is how mm-hmm. I'm doing it by bringing exactly. in the rappers. Yeah, with and, features. And, and I guess they brought up a good point that nobody had been super successful with bridging these two worlds. That is um, a great point. You know, in the past. So, I mean, Anthrax <laughs> and Public Enemy ten years earlier, right? <laughs> but that was like a one-off thing, right? I mean, it's not I, like that's not something that like I, they did a huge collaboration with. I have no idea. So, um, yeah, and I mean, but by this point, hip hop had become so mainstream that like rock and metal had to grasp onto it to stay alive. You know, so and it, I guess it kind of worked. It killed rock music for a little bit, but it kept it alive for that rock time. Rock music, historically too, is 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 a genre that collaborates with other genres too. Mm-hmm. Back in the beginning, rock was an offshoot of R and B. So I mean, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> so I, when I look at it that way, with like how dead rock music was from '99 to 2001. And so it, I guess this kind of helped to keep it somewhat relevant. Yeah, because, you know, we were we in, in, in this part of music history in, in you know, the late 90s and early 2000s, like grunge is kind of on the downturn, right? Like there, nothing mm-hmm. really interesting is coming out of the grunge scene in right. a while. So now we're ready to transition to something else. Right. And then now, that was new metal and rap rock. Unfortunately, they, they made it out to be like, this is the next big thing that's going to be here to stay. Forever. I'm really, <laughs> really glad that like, you know, the, the Warped Tour scene took off shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. Or else it would have, yeah, and we got like our bad. reemergence of punk and then we got a reemergence. Right. The, the second wave of emo came along. Right. And... So again, that's why when My Chemical Romance hit, you're just like, oh, okay, I can, I, I might be able to get behind this. <laughs> These yeah, guys are absolutely. trying. And they don't sound like Fredrick's. <laughs> Which is very always pleasant. a plus. <laughs> <laughs> they don't act like them either. Uh, let's move so on to track. To song? What's that? We get to the good song now. Oh, is that the next one? <laughs> well, Jen, let's go to track 10. Thank Take you. a look around. Lalo Schifrin for writing this song for Limp Bizkit. <laughs> God, finally, somebody had to do it. <laughs> mm, so you're, so you're, you're vibing on this one, huh? Finally. I mean, I was vibing on this one in 2000. This, this oh, was nice. the first single. So I was just like, I mean, I, I, I hate Limp Bizkit, but this song is at least listenable. 
this was a this was a refreshing song as yeah. well. I was like, oh this wow, is, this is you know something familiar that everybody kind of knows that everybody knows that riff, right? And you know, so the Limp Bizkit added their own flavor to it, which is and this I, th- was, I thought it was really cool. This was the whole summer of two thousand. I mean, oh yeah, dude, from a uh, Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, but I mean, then and then Fred Durst shows up, and you're just like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like if yeah, I can't, I can't listen to the lyrics and i almost have to say no to the song because of that oh i thought you said this was the good song <laughs> <laughs> well all the at least his new era cap isn't getting the rap from the critics anymore <laughs> this was always like a song i was always looking forward to on the album and you know and i think it is just like that that novelty of being like oh this is the mission impossible song you know and hearing that, that fucking hard rock version of dun, 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 like that bridge at the end. Yeah. See, I know why you want to hate me. Because hate is all the world has ever seen. Mmm. Mm. You get it? Yeah, you get it's it? All Bullying. Your fault that you hate me. <laughs> I did nothing wrong. I'm Fred Durst. I only ruined I only ruined uh, Woodstock for everybody. <laughs> but now I know why you want to hate me. And it's because of society. It's society's fault. <laughs> That's the real Mission Impossible. <laughs> so yes, this was this was fun to listen to back in 2000. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was a little bit more into the Metallica song during that summer, but at least I, I could to, listen to this and, and I have be, to re-listen yeah. to that. I mean, I, to, I mean, by list, by re-listen to that, I mean I'm going to go download Napster and <laughs> steal the song. But, yes. Uh, do, do you? Do you know what the name of that song is? Ah, crud. Um, it's not one of their best songs. I know that. Mm. Um, I'll look it up. But keep talking about this this song and album. People need okay. to know. I mean, like, well, there's not really much to say other than what we've already talked about. Just it was just always a fun song, and I and I loved oh, the. I disappeared. I, loved, I disappeared. I think I vaguely remember that song. I wasn't the biggest Metallica fan back then. How I disappear? Don't, 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 don't. Oh, did they all. kind of do a Mission no, Impossible? No, it's, it's, well? it's not a. It's not a Mission Impossible one. It's just a very open D kind of thing. Oh, okay. A wah pedal. I'm sure if I listen to it again, it'll 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 refresh my mind. It was one of the least interesting Metallica songs up to that point, and that was pre Saint Anger. So. You know, <laughs> it was a different Metallica world back then. A couple years later, we get St. Anger. Uh, so let's but, go ahead and move on then. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the song? No, I don't. Cool. I don't. All right, well, let's... Oh, my phone is locked, sorry. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to... I know, but it doesn't feel like it is. Uh, track 11 is It'll Be Okay. We're getting introspective again, baby. No? Not feeling it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you give this album a half out of fifteen? Or out of thirteen? We're not whatever. done yet, Mike. That outro is coming. That outro is coming. <laughs> Seven minutes of Ben still laughing. I know. I mean I feel like these songs with melody on them is almost like where the band wanted to go to some degree. This is yeah. It, this is Limp Bizkit's attempt at credibility. Right. It's like it's it's like you can tell they spent time with these songs quite a bit to never play them live, obviously, but still try to make it make this album like feel full. 
and by this point of the album i'm just like i'm i'm done i'm out check that like, I, I can't <laughs> i can't take you seriously even though you're trying to be serious mm. but boiler yeah, has the latter yet. i mean speaking on that point like the latter half of this album is like where all the quote-unquote serious songs are mm-hmm. uh, i mean there's this one and it's kind of like a one-two punch of like it'll be okay in the next song boiler which was a single and then there's like the that the scott wyland song which we'll get to that yeah. in a bit well, we'll see what Boiler does to me when we get there. I've never oh. heard this album before in my life. <laughs> this is, and this song is like definitely like the anti the one. This is like the breakup. Like fuck you, girl. I found the one, but you're not the one. Fuck uh, you, girl. Fuck you, girl. Fuck you, girl. Uh, yeah, this this is just an aggressive, super like a super aggressive like breakup song in the Olympus, in the way that this only Lip Biscuit can do. This is a chorus I would have written when I was 20. Yeah, it's a lazy chorus, isn't it? Uh, it feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, he's not the best vocal... He's not a best melody singer. Like, when he does this kind of, like, like lower-pitched, like, uh, more, like, intimate kind of melodies right here, like, in, in the in the verses, like, I think he's good at this, but when he's trying to belt out, like, it'll be okay, like, he's not great at it. Uh, so it kind of it kind of takes away whatever power the song is trying to display to the to the listener. But whatever. I think that's this where is... Wes got frustrated. He's mm. like, you know, there's this kid, this ten-year-old kid named Sonny. I need to go mm. work with him in a couple of years. Yeah, I'm gonna he, keep my eye. To know how to sing. Keeping my eye on this boy, this little boy. <laughs> he seems to have a good voice for now. Oh yeah, he can sustain a note. Uh, let's go ahead and move on then to <laughs> yeah until his nose until his nose job. Uh, well, tw- track twelve, boiler. So, it's do you remember it, the uh, music video for this? I never had heard this song in my life until I listened oh, really? to it this week. Yeah, yeah. This was a this was a not a big single, but this is like the next big single after My Way. Mm-hmm. I remember there was yes. like hype coming into it too. Like, November like, two thousand one, post nine eleven. Mm, my god, yeah. That was another thing, too. After 9-11, we kind of forgot about Limp Bizkit altogether, didn't we? Yeah, no, we had to move on. We had to get the, we'll put a boot in your ass. Like, we were all about that kind of music now. I felt good. I felt so good. <laughs> but anyway, this is definitely an, a, a huge attempt at a huge rock song. Oh, yeah, dude. You can tell this is supposed to be, this, this was, like, their, like, not arena rock, but, like, this was the one that they wrote probably to like bring the fucking house down you know? I know this feels like like a screaming bloody murder track right here oh <laughs> yeah yeah dude this is in the hands of another band this probably would have been like the most amazing song ever but he because didn't, he didn't need to mention his butt right there though that would have been <laughs> <laughs> now i'm picturing fred durst's butt and now it's <laughs> stuck in my head <laughs> <laughs> so again the lyrics tear this album down Ooh. Every every time it starts getting good, and then it's just like bam. Nope, not really. Put your foot down. Now this song would have been great on their next album when they try Results to reinvent, may vary. when yeah. they try to reinvent themselves as being legitimate artists. Mm-hmm. It, it would have fell flat on their face. But yeah, this this would have been like, like it man, if this would have been the first single off of Results May Vary, whole different genre adjusting uh feel but mm-hmm. we're stuck with it here in 2000 when people weren't ready for it i think <laughs> they were ahead of their time right <laughs> oddly enough yes <laughs> yeah 
You know, if, if they didn't do that uh, new old songs album, like this would have trans. You're right. This would have transitioned very nicely into uh, into uh, results may vary. Because uh, mm. then we got what was that first song like Eat You Alive? Yeah, yeah this that is was like great. kind of like a slower. A oh, song. <laughs> oh, you're being you're being facetious, aren't you? <laughs> and, and the uh, Behind Blue Eyes cover. Yeah, featuring L- Halle Berry. M P Biscuit. <laughs> anyway, the song I'll give a pass. I will say yes. I can listen to this song. Just like take a look around. In the year 2000, this was one of my favorite songs on this album. I would have in the year 2000. Yeah, in the year 2000. What's that? If, if I was 14 and I had heard this song, that would have been incredible. Yeah, and like, because again, like, I pseudo idolized Fred Durst, and like, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't so much like the attitude of the character of Fred Durst. It was like that confidence, that that kind of like standing up for yourself kind of thing. You know, and that's something that I was very much lacking. Like even to this day, like I kind of, you know, I still kind of struggle with issues of like self-confidence and things like that. And so, you know, hearing this dude who was apparently, I'm sure it's just, I'm sure it's all fucking lies. Just a character that he portrays, right? He was bullied too, Mike. He was Yeah, exactly. So like that, that swagger and then hearing this song and how he's like, oh, he's also like introspective and he has like depth to him. So like... I ate this song up like so much, but in the year 2020, it's like, it's 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 a little overreaching and it's kind of a little try hard, but musically, fuck, I can't get past right. like how great these guitar riffs and like the the, the pacing of this song is, man. Mm-hmm. Fucking good. Yep, you cannot deny that. And for me, it's just like it doesn't fit on this album because it is that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just—I'm I'm happy to have heard it for the first time in my entire life, oddly enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad—I'm I'm glad that like it did something for you at least. You yeah. know, I, this, this was like one of like a handful of songs that I thought you'd actually enjoy. Uh, let's move on then. Speaking of songs that I think that Why? you might enjoy. <laughs> Why? Why? He's a great screamer, oh. though, dude. Great screamer. This track comes out of nowhere. I was not. So let's expect- go to yeah. Let's go to track thirteen. Hold on. Featuring Scott Weiland. Yes. Adam, are you familiar with Scott Weiland? I am. From his beginnings to his bitter ends. I'm oh, no. very familiar with Scott Weiland. Did I have any idea he was on this album and the previous album? No. I never yeah. knew that. Nobody ever told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, briefly showing up in a significant other, mm. uh, you, you know, for a song that I don't, I'm, I'm trying, I'm kind of struggling to remember that song, like how it goes. Mm. But, uh, but uh, yeah, this is a cool little outro to an album. This is great. I think that they needed more of this. Again, it's five minutes long for reasons unknown, but it's a Stone Temple Pilots song, really. This is I mean... a legit Stone. <laughs> it's, it's basically an STP song featuring right. Fred Durst. Right. And I remember the first time hearing it, I was like, oh, it would have been great if Fred Durst hadn't seen the second verse. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, it still was a high point of the album. And uh, yeah, if, if you like this song, then you should like some STP. Mm-hmm. Sure. Velvet Revolver, baby. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> were you were you ever a huge fan of Velvet? Oh yeah, yeah. The first yeah. Velvet Revolver album I was really into. Oh, Second yeah. one kind of good hard. singles on that. Mm-hmm. It's called Contraband, I think, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. 
think the second one was self-titled. I'm not sure. Um, but like early, early STP, like albums one through four, there's a handful of soft acoustic songs like this mm-hmm. that have this kind of feel. And uh, yeah, I liked it. I was yeah, happy. Yeah, I mean, it. if you end the album right here, it, it ends on a high point, especially for someone like you who's coming to this 20 years later and has no prior uh, love of this album. You know, nothing so. but my starfish. <laughs> nothing but the starfish baby <laughs> uh, did you have anything to say about the actual outro because we can skip track 14 we don't really yeah, need to go into the urban assault vehicle um, no I didn't understand the purpose of, of all seven minutes of the outro um, well yeah there's like there's like four minutes total of like Ben Stiller it's a loop of Ben Stiller laughing and right. the outro itself is just kind of like phone messages of, of famous people that, that yeah. Fred Durst knows. Yeah, and, and the whole first four and a half minutes of Ben Stiller talking is him glorifying the fact that he knows famous people. So, mm-hmm. I know but Ben like, Stiller. Do you know Ben Stiller? I know Ben Stiller. <laughs> but like... He can make fun of you, me and I'm okay with it. <laughs> with the benefit of hindsight, too, and also, you know, now that we know that, like, Fred Durst is a character and, you know, he this, this was like a show that he was doing, right? You can... The, the conversation that he has with the highest fuck... Ben Stiller, like it, 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 it kind of peels back the curtain a little bit of like who Fred Durst is and like this Limp biscuit persona yes. that he has. It's pretty hilarious, yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. And like twenty years later, like knowing in the, with the benefit of hindsight, it's a it's a pretty funny outro, uh, yes. and then it just de- so, de- devolves into like madness. And it, and it leaves the album again so questionable. Mm. It's like you have your aggressive, your silly your heartfelt and then your ridiculously you know teenager humor yeah stuff so it's just all over the place and it's exactly what the year 2000 was to me it represents i think you're right dude i think you're right this this album is a good summation of the year 2000 Right. It was Creed was between albums at this point, mm-hmm. so <laughs> this was the this is all we had. <laughs> I know. Street Boys and all of them were were blowing up the charts. I think the second In Sync album came out this year, nice. Lincoln Park. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't I don't think Corn had an album this year. I think 2001 was their 99 was Issues. I think it was. And 2001 was the one after that. The Untouchables. I think something was the like next that. One. So yeah, it's interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. I don't know. What, well, so we'll ha- we'll end the track by track right here. If you if anybody who isn't familiar, track fourteen is a, a hip hop remix of Roland featuring DMX and his barking, uh, with uh, <laughs> with also Meth- Method Man and Red Man. Arr, 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 arr. I'm DMX. <laughs> and but, I mean, it is funny at the beginning. Like, where the fuck's that beat at? And then it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so it, so it, 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 it was it, it's it's a fun little remix if you like you know if you want to hear like a hip hop rendition of it and then other rappers coming into uh, other uh, Wu Tang rappers coming into to uh, you know do their part. But uh, what, so what what did you take? Did you take away anything minutes, from like uh, six minutes and twenty two seconds? It's a long rap song. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of rappers to get through. <laughs> <laughs> what was your overall takeaway of Chocolate Starfish? Because I went into this when I asked you if you wanted to do this just for mm-hmm. fun, right? I went into it knowing that you probably wouldn't enjoy it too much, but mm. I at least kind of wanted to see what your twenty years later hindsight 
take away from it? You know, mm-hmm. if, there, if there was anything that like you got out of this album at all? Well, there's two new tracks that I had never heard before that I really enjoyed. Cool. And then that one that I had heard before that I kind of enjoyed. <laughs> and I'm just like, it, it, it reminds me how, how I felt at that time thinking that there was something wrong with me for not like embracing or not being attached to this or attracted to this because mm-hmm. it seemed like it was where everybody else in the entire world was. And I didn't look at that as a good thing of being like, Oh, I'm better than you. Cause I don't like popular stuff. Like it, it was like a serious uh, self-esteem thing of being like, it's kind of a confusion. There's something wrong with me that I'm not <laughs> liking this. And like, what does that mean about me with society and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then, and then it, it makes me so happy to remember that three years later, you know, when I was walking through some, clothing store and the video for i'll eat you alive is playing on the tv there and like everybody in that store is just being like oh the song sucks and i was like (laughs) yes yes i was right the whole time and and then and then nothing like that was the last i ever heard of limp biscuit until this week Mm. (laughs) So. (laughs) so i'm gonna apologize now that we're done with the review for like kind of you know asking to go through this you know i'm sure it wasn't like a it needed to happen it was fine it was totally interesting and i didn't want to like put this on you in any sort of like malicious way to be like hey hey, you're (laughs) gonna hate this adam (laughs) i just thought it might be a fun thing to revisit you Mm -hmm. know because you know we do have like young listeners too who may have never listened to this and so it's, it's kind of like a time capsule thing i guess very much and it takes me back to that that summer that i had nothing to do for three solid months and i just like sat around and I don't know what the fuck I did besides just typical things that 19 year olds do when they're by themselves in front of a TV. You know, I don't know what, what you watch, watch that fight club like 28 times. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to keep my pants. Saga, keep a skateboard, a spray can for the tagging. So, uh, yeah, like my, my life slowly started to trickle just a little bit better after this album came out <laughs> and just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And that's then, nice. <laughs> yeah, go into more details, but I'll just leave it at that. And then finally 2003, everybody in that store is being like, Oh, this sucks. And I'm just like, yes, I was right the whole time. I told you guys three years ago, nobody listened to me. <laughs> Dude, we were all limping with the biscuit three years ago. All right. Let it go. We were like, now we that heard- we're free of the biscuit. Yes. Like we heard of this Allison Chains band. <laughs> very cool. Well, thank you folks for sitting through that review. Uh, I, I hope you, I, I hope at the very least it was entertaining, but at the most I kind of wanted to get a, uh, you know, kind of a snapshot of what the year 2000 was like for the two of us. And, you know, this mm-hmm. was an album that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, not like in a, super like brian fallon sort of way but like this was like my mindset because mm-hmm. i was a lost young bullied kid and it was an album that like unfortunately spoke to me very you know? much yeah that makes perfect sense so I'm, I'm just glad that it helped did it help you with the bullies like as they were as they start picking on you did you start like rapping and they were just like oh dude this kid gets it why you have to go and meet somebody like you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no no work. actually no actually it fucking backfired because they saw right through um oh. my 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 wannabe poser like and they bullied me and beat me up even more so i was like well damned if you do damned if you don't so man you know existential dread you know kind of right. revisiting that a little bit i should probably go back to therapy 
<laughs> it's okay, Mike. You're in a safe place now. You're in your 30s. They can't hurt my, you anymore. I'm in my 30s, and I'm talking about this stuff with hundreds of other people. <laughs> Those bullies are now sitting outside of a hospital in Washington, D.C., flying QAnon flags. Oh, um, I just want nice. you to be proud of that. Like Their votes... Their votes matter just as much as I do. I know. And they're fighting for the children. Don't forget about that. Oh, okay. It's the children. It's always the children. Oh. Like, what do you... <laughs> so, anyway, we can go off on that next time. <laughs> nice. So. Adam, it's been do, a do, couple do, weeks. But, what? sir, um, one thing. Do you want me to listen to that P.O.D. album and we do something <laughs> very soon as well? I haven't thought about... Just, just like you with this album, I haven't thought about Satellite by P.O.D. You know, since 2017. <laughs> Even though that was an album I fucking loved, dude. Right. That's the last one of all your guilty pleasures I haven't listened to yet. Oh, well, so, maybe that's something we'll revisit down the line. If, okay. You know what? Hey, how about this is a perfect time to plug our to plug our socials. You can talk to us over at the uh, um, facebook.com slash skinny with mike and adam you can talk to me over at the instagram at mike wears prada you can also tweet us over at the skinny pod or send us a good old-fashioned email at the skinny with mike and adam at gmail.com let us know if you um especially if you listen to that guilty pleasure last episode from last week if there's something on there that you want us to revisit that'd be fun to think to do I'm already forcing be. Adam to do one of mine, so you know why not well, throw another one in there? Mine were all just singles that everybody already yeah. knew. So <laughs> it's really more Mike. If I if I need to go listen to the Space Jam soundtrack or if I need to listen to POD, I think that's those are the Dude, only two. The Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> Fucking mind altering, baby. I know, I know. <laughs> Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan in one movie. In the same place. <laughs> Technology barely existed at the time. <laughs> Adam, it's been a couple weeks since yes. I got the pleasure of speaking with you. So I imagine you've been listening to a lot of music. Oh, yes, I have. Um, do you? Would you like me to regale you with the, uh, the John Frusciante experience, the movements experience? Would you the... please... Uh, which which one first? <laughs> Let me start with the bad ones or the good ones. <laughs> oh no! Well, let's start because with the bad ones then. Let's just say, I mean, I haven't listened to the Movements album in a week now, but there's there's not nothing to really grasp onto uh, with that thing, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been revisiting it as well uh, from a couple weeks ago, and it's just kind of like it's more movements. It's, it's more like skin to skin, cool song. Can't deny that. Yeah, that's a good song. Uh, I, I like that little uh, track 11 kind of interlude thing before going into the final track. Um, that is a fun, yeah, that's a fun little transition. I like that as well. But I, I mean, I haven't listened to it to remember how many numbers I had for it, but I think it was no more than three <laughs> at the Oof. most. Ouch. So I was like, oh man. And then, yeah, I went back and listened to Outgrown Things, the EP, and just being like, man, this is so did. fucking good. They kick something right on that album, and this is not it. So I enjoyed his lead singer syndrome interview, which was cool. I have um, not heard it yet. Okay, it was good. It, it at least any good information in there. Um, basically, just kind of how they've been adjusting since uh, all their all, all of their uh, lives got put on hold with COVID. So mm -hmm. kind of how how the band responded to that because they've apparently finished writing this album and re recording it in late 2019 planning for an early spring release 
Yeah, pretty much all the albums that came out in the summer were supposed to be coming out in spring. And then then they had taken a whole bunch of time off because they had toured and toured and toured. And then they were ready to go out on tour for all of this year and everything got on hold and they like existential crisis, all that kind of fun stuff. And Mm. uh, but, you know, it doesn't make the album any better, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, with 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 after a few weeks out from this album, I definitely have to say that this is like my least favorite movements release yeah and that ep is fucking good and you know this is a little bit this this is a little bit less enjoyable than um uh the first album yep so i did finally listen to your favorite weapon we want to stay on (laughs) shitty albums (laughs) from the early 2000s that was fun that was fun to listen to because it gave me the initial perspective of what this band thought they were going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep in mind too, Jesse Lacey was an original member of taking back Sunday. So right. going into this album, this is, this is all he knew, right? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. From, and my, this, from my point of view, this is the guy that would be doing a bunch of lewd things with underage girls. I mean, the guy that wrote this album. Yes, he and, would. <laughs> bad choices. So, um, yeah, it's amazing that this band, gained a following from this album i know it sounds almost exactly like the first taking back sunday album except yeah, musically not, not it's very good. similar <laughs> as we say not as good even though that album's not that great anyway it's got um, it's got ditties right um but this one there I, any, I, is there any I, songs here that you kind of like really enjoyed i'm pretty sure that i, I gave it a two was jude law and a semester abroad one of those songs i can't even remember anymore <laughs> It's been over a week. This is what happens if we take a week off. Such a memorable um, album. I know. I think 70 times 7 is the one where he talks about John Nolan wanting wanting him to die. And It's either no, that one or the No Beat, no Seatbelt song. The No Seatbelt song, I think I enjoyed that one. That's kind of like a softer acoustic-y one. Oh, okay. And I think Failure by Design was the only other song that I was okay with. Okay. But it's it's pretty forgettable. And I enjoyed listening to all their follow-up albums a lot more yeah yeah there's a there's a weird at least from my perspective there's there's a weird reverence for this album that i just don't understand yeah for all you brand new fans out there that think this is like one of their best releases i'm like how (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it doesn't make a lot of sense because the band went much better in a much better direction they wrote three of the most amazing albums of all time at least from I'll put Daydream on that list. I'll say four. Yeah, we'll throw, yeah, four. Four amazing fucking albums, especially yeah. when compared to this. And like, this is the one that you have reverence for? It's, uh, those, yeah, the people who hold that opinion, like, they confuse me. <laughs> right. They're the ones that are the, the former Limp Bizkit fans, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to go and meet somebody like you? Like uh, you. <laughs> um, I did listen to From Exile by the Menzingers this week. I listened to From Exile from the Menzingers yeah. this week, too. What a pleasant nostalgia trip that was to a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I yeah, remember God. 2019. Because <laughs> I, 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 I hadn't listened to that album since you know December or whenever mm-hmm. we did our, our best ofs list. So uh, like life has changed quite a bit. So listening to it, I was like, oh, man, I remember like enjoying life 
somewhat <laughs> back listening to these tracks and the reimaginings <laughs> are very, very good and heartwarming and stuff. So I think they should probably do this with on the impossible past. Ooh. It sounds like that band's having an existential crisis as well, according to Shane told. So, well, you know, um, this is, if, if you read, if you read up about from exile, this is definitely their, their quarantine album as well. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of bands kind of trying to do, do stuff and stay creative during these uh tricky times so i mean this is a good way to do it and from my understanding like it even though it's kind of a slower a, you know a slower more acoustic album every member of the band is involved in mm-hmm. it and they all recorded it from their own location so they're just kind of passing music files to each other and recording nice. over it and eventually a song uh, eventually an album came out from it so that, that, that's pretty cool and this is definitely kind of carrying over um the reimagining of america part two Mm. Uh, the, the song that they kind of it's also very stripped down and acoustic and it's a uh it's it's the song that they released for black lives matter uh back after george floyd was killed uh so yes yeah you can tell that they kind of took inspiration from that like oh why don't we just why don't we just do that same treatment for the whole mm-hmm. album so very cool now i can't say that the new version of london drugs is Number one song of 2019. Yeah, I can't say that I'm a big fan of the reimagining of that. <laughs> I was really looking yeah. forward to it, and then it came. It finally came up on the album, and I was like, "Oh, this is not as exciting as the original at all." <laughs> yeah, and one of my favorite songs, "Strain Your Memory," too. So, you know, it, it, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> didn't really feel this album, you know, in 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 the same way that uh, "Hello Exile" hit me, because mm. you know it. Hello Exile has an energy to it that adds to the the picturesque lyrics. It adds to the atmosphere and the energy of that album and the stories they're trying to tell. If you just kind of strip everything down and make it kind of acoustic, it kind of takes away some of the power and the impact mm-hmm. of it. You know, right. it's, it's yeah, this is a cool like supplementary material mm-hmm. to Hello Exile, but like. I didn't enjoy it as much as the original, but that's okay. Right. It's not, I don't think it was meant to surpass that album in any way. So since I've been on my John Frusciante kick, I decided it was finally time to listen to the red hot chili peppers albums that I had never listened to before. Ooh, the chilies. (laughs) So the first three albums from the chili peppers, uh, I, I realized I had never heard like all the pre John Frusciante years, the eighties stuff. Yeah, the '80s stuff. So, I was, and I was always just like, "Well, why would I listen to anything that didn't have John Frusciante on it?" Because he's <laughs> that's the greatest, stupid. He's the greatest musician of my time. But and I was just like, you know, I need to do this. I'm calling this the tying up loose ends year. For myself. <laughs> hey, so, this is the perfect year to do it, right? 1984 self-titled album from the Chili Willies. Um, it's not great. <laughs> They this are self-titled. Self-titled. Uh, released so were they a ska band during this time? No, they were a total funk-inspired rap mix band on this first album. And okay. uh, their first guitar player, Jack Sherman, I think that was his name. He, the one who passed away not that long ago. Right. Yeah. So he's the guitar player on this first album. They are you know, all of 22, 23 years old, they're all doing tons and tons of drugs. Anthony 
Kiedis and all of them have connections to the industry, and they put out their debut album on Capitol Records in 1984. Oh, pay your dues, <laughs> folks. If you work hard and yeah. you put your music out there, you're going to be successful. Oh, fuck all, my life. Fuck all every, they needed to do was music job I've ever done. They, they played like four or five shows, and uh, somebody from the label saw them and was just like, Let's go make an album. Hey, kids, your check cleared. Come, come write an album. And it went to number 201 on the charts uh, back in 1984 when it was released. And yeah, they were all about 23 years old. And this is a, this is not aggressive Chili Peppers music because definitely the, I imagine the follow-up albums get a lot more aggressive or this one is a really slowed down, much more funk, like, like seventies kind of funk, I guess I've not, too familiar with that but i'm assuming that's what 70s funk kind of sounds like and it's it's not great it's it's got like a few good songs on it and and that's about it mm. um it's it's got good rhythm it's it's uh anthony kiedis is rapping very slowly so you can really pick up on the lyrics and there's there's not too much to the lyrics to be uh written home about it's no boiler i'll just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> um and there's the yeah like the first three tracks are are good and then there's an instrumental track to close out the album that i enjoyed and everything in the middle is is pretty garbage so <laughs> hey but you know what you had you had to do it right i did and then i know for the next two albums that i'm listening to this week 1985's freaky styly produced by george clinton um george clinton the the, yep. the singer Yep, the funkadelic oh. P Parliament funkadelic guy, basically the uh, guy who looks like Steve Tyler's broom. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, he he produced this album, and basically the the record company, like th- they sent out the demos and the first album to a bunch of different producers, and and George Clinton was the one who decided to take this band on, and the label gave him twenty five thousand dollars, and he flew him out to Detroit and they did tons and tons of drugs for the whole time and recorded a, <laughs> an album. And, uh, it's an interesting album. I'll, I'll tell you more next week. <laughs> yes, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that George Clinton did music production. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uplift. And so freaky styly is the album with Hillel Slovak, who was their next guitar player, technically the original guitar player who had left the band, before the first album came out. Oh, and so he then, just, he's just returning. Okay. Yeah. He went to be in another band that they thought was going to take off, but then that band didn't take off. So he came back to the Chili Peppers for Freaky Styly. And, uh, and then um, subsequently they did that album in 85. They did the Uplift Mofo Party Plan in 1987. You just and, made that. You just made those words up. <laughs> I always thought so. This is the first time I've actually been able to like say that entire album title because I've always uplift known it's like Mofo Party Plan. Right. You said. <laughs> always, always just like I'm always just like, oh, it's the Uplift Mofo album. That's the only thing I knew was Uplift Mofo. Um, and then Hillel Slovak dies of heroin in 1988. Subsequently, as you do. Subsequently, bringing in John Frusciante for 1989's uh, Mother's Milk. So, Are there um, any of big uh, Chili Pepper singles that people might recognize from these three albums? Um, I don't think so. Uh, let's see. So it wasn't oh, Freaky Styly Mother's... Freaky had Catholic School Schoolgirls Rule, which was apparently a big hit for them to start uh, off. I don't think I'm familiar with that one because the band definitely starts going into much more kind of 
bro-ish sex talk all the time machismo kind of things on mm-hmm. albums two and three um nothing familiar on the first album i had never heard anything there and then for mofo party plan uh there is nothing on there that i recognized so yeah so it is, is it isn't until mother's milk that they kind of broke into the mainstream yeah definitely so um yeah and, and that one wasn't even that big <laughs> it, it didn't have a huge breakout except for that higher ground cover that you talked about from the power rangers movie soundtrack right <laughs> my introduction to the red hot chili peppers <laughs> and knock me down that was another ah uh, yes, yes single from mother's milk and then they did a Jimi hendrix cover of fire and that's about all i recognize so cool yeah, I, I know I listened to Mother's Milk a while back, but I'm going to have to revisit that. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, tying up loose ends, getting my feel for it. Obviously, the later years were much kinder, in my opinion, for this band. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers have always been a band that like does interesting things, goes in these weird ass directions, and mm-hmm. I, you know, at least from my perspective, people always ate it up. Yes, they they definitely got bigger and bigger. I mean, to the point where it almost killed John Frusciante because he 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 got into the Peppers during albums two and three and based a lot of his guitar playing style when he was like 14, 15 years old Hell on, yeah, dude. on Hillel Slovak. Um, so like that's, and he always said like, if the chili peppers got too big, I wouldn't be able to handle it and I would do whatever I could to destroy that. And so when and destroy myself <laughs> and when blood sugar, sex magic took them to that whole other giant level, he did oh, not boy. respond so well. And, you know, 22 years old with all the fame in the world, not going to always go so well. But anyway, fast forwarding to a healthy John Frusciante <laughs> in the years of 2004. Um, pretty much I'm going to cover 2004 to 2012. Okay. Yes. 2000. Oh God, what year was that? 14. We're going to cover 10 years of John Frusciante right here. <laughs> so um, I left off on Curtains, which was a really, really good stripped down album that I encourage everybody to listen to. That came out February of 2005. But right before that, he did this Ataxia uh, side project thing, if that's what you want to call it, um, with John Klinghoffer and the bass player from Fugazi named was it Robert Lally? I think is his name. Um, oh, Joe Lally. And this is, this is, you know, sh- like short albums, but very long songs. So it's pretty much all just jam band kind of stuff, kind of psychedelic. Um, it's, it's good though. I, I cannot argue with how, how good, even these songs that are really long, only like a few of them really drag, but, uh, I would say if, if you, and these all have like vocals in them and everything yeah, too. they all have, they all have vocals. Um, so they basically recorded this in January of 2004. Um, they were, they recorded 10 songs in January of 2004, released the first five in August of 2004. And then the next five in May of 2007. So <laughs> they basically just sat on the second half of it for a long time. Like, oh, fuck. We saw that album. We never released it. Exactly. And they're just like, oh, let's just put it out. They've just, you know, they've got a very small independent label called Record Collection that, uh, you know, kind of 
I'm sure they could do kind of whatever they want on it. But yeah, it's all it's really slow, um, you know, very I guess doom metal kind of bass stuff, but with that Ooh, John Fashanti, but with that John Fashanti, you know, flowing aerial kind of guitar going over that and like i can groove out on that stuff even for you know it's it's a solid hour and 20 minutes of music for these two albums even though it's only 10 tracks so um but i'd say seven out of the 10 are very good we'll just leave it leave it at that i think that's a successful release in my book i think so and then um back in 2004 again he released a interesting album with john klinghoffer that's just titled john frashanti and josh klinghoffer and it's called a sphere in the heart of silence like, oh fuck we here's the album we forgot to come up with a name fuck <laughs> oh, yeah and so this is like seven tracks but it's still 37 minutes long it's got an eight minute instrumental track at the beginning and Going then hard on that instrumental and then it's like three songs with John Frashanti singing and three songs with Josh Klinghoffer singing. I'm not a big fan of the Klinghoffer songs, but the, the Frashanti songs are very good. So, um, and, and it's, it's, it's very stripped down. It's kind of, kind of acoustic-y, um, but not, not, nothing too heavy by any means. And the, the Klinghoffer songs are like really, they, they remind me of like Gates, you know, where it's just like, like that kind of stuff so that that gets a little long to to follow along with so but it's still worth a listen i feel and then back to john frashanti's solo stuff we're gonna go with 2009 the empyrean so this is yet another attempt at a kind of big bombastic album um it's got a lot of production value in it. Um, a lot of good songs, a lot of flea on bass on several of them, which really helps out a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six flea songs on bass that I really enjoyed. And uh, I think I gave this one overall a 8 out of 12. Now, remind me, is this his first um, solo stuff where he's collaborating with flea? uh yeah he had like nice, one, one one song on shadows collide with people from 2004 but this is this one has a lot more flea on it and yeah there's nice. like there's some really long songs on here but they're really good long songs so uh yeah it's it's not a lot of dull moments even though it's it's close to an hour um and then this was kind of the end of john frashanti doing any kind of rock oriented kinds of solo material he goes much more yeah now we're moving into the electronic stuff so it's like like the guitar is gone uh by the time 2012 rolls around with um pbx funicular intaglio zone (laughs) and if you want to know what that means you got to read the wikipedia page because okay for in his brain, it makes sense. <laughs> to I think that's it. true of like all of his projects from the mm-hmm. sounds of it, you know? Because <laughs> he said like, PBX means this, vernacular means this, Intaglio means this, and it's all like these different elements of my creative process, blah, 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 blah. I'm of... looking it up right now. Here it okay. is. <laughs> Following is what Frashanti said on his blog. PBX refers to an internal communication system. There is a natural version of this wherein the, wherein the business or office is a person 
The vernacular involves two trans connected wait two yeah. trams connected by a cable, one going up while there is another going down. All music perpetually does this on many levels simultaneously. In intaglio is a technique in sculpture where one works on the opposite side of the image, mm-hmm. whereby the image will <laughs> eventually <laughs> appear to the spectator in relief. But the so... angle of the spec of the sculptor works from the negation of that in mu- in music that I like. An approach analogous to this was employed. The more so, the better. Zone refers to the state of mind wherein the rest of the world seemingly disappears and nothing matters but the union of one's immediate surroundings with one's feelings. These four words linked together go far to describing my creative process. So, John Frusciante is a madman. This is is sober John Frusciante. Don't forget that. (laughs) He's a madman. This album is not very good, though. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, you you think with the explanation like that, you're going to like, oh, man, it's going to be so deep and blah, blah, blah. And I I, I, I really, really struggled to get into this one. Um, I mean, it's short. It's only 35 minutes or so. Um, But I only gave it like a four out of nine because some of the stuff just kind of drags. And, you know, without that, I don't know, without that guitar, it just, you're missing something. Mm. Um, Cause he's basically just doing electronic beats and then singing over them. And it's, it's something is not where it once was. And I felt yeah. the same way about enclosure, which was from 2014, kind of similar stuff. Um, I, I'd say it did have more songs that were enjoyable to listen to. Um but, you know, you, you can probably say that he's just kind of feeling out, right? This kind mm-hmm. of style, just kind of adding it to his repertoire of, mm-hmm. of tools. And basically after Enclosure, which again was, was a fair album. It's not as good as the stuff from the 2004 realm. Um, but he basically said after this was like he had no passion for writing lyrics anymore. And that was pretty much why he has stuck with only EDM music for all the trick finger stuff, which I've decided I'm not going to listen to because that's all it is, is EDM stuff. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And he released two albums already this year. Uh, and another one, With another solo album coming out this month, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, but it's all just straight Skrillex style EDM stuff that I don't even think it's as aggressive as Skrillex would be, but I, I don't need to listen to you it. You know, it's, it's been, you know six to eight years since his mm-hmm. since his edm kind of stuff you know you you don't, you don't think he, he might have you know gotten better or evolved at all well I, i'm giving it one listen and okay. then on from there because i just can't see myself like walking down the street listening to edm music it's just <laughs> even if it was shanti that made it i'm just like this isn't my thing so i'm gonna see how um how maya sounds I know he's he said he he put it under the John Frusciante title because it was a much more personal album about his cat that died. <laughs> see, guys, you could write music about anything. And so that, I'll listen to that on October twenty third and see where that goes. But nice, yeah, dude. but I did read that he basically like lost pretty much all all desire to really write lyrics anymore, and that's why he's sticking with this. And you know, I I think it works out for him. He has to pay his ex wife like fifty three thousand dollars a month in spousal support. Shit. He must still be making a decent amount of money to be able to cover that. 
Red Hot Chili Peppers are still on the radio, so he must be still getting royalty checks. Right. Under the bridge will never die. Right. Um, And he just joined the Chili Peppers again, but I haven't heard anything very new coming out of that camp yet. Okay. But we'll wait and see. So I think that catches me all up. That is quite now. a journey, man. How, how, how many weeks has it been since you've been listening, doing, I, doing this John Frusciante deep dive? I, well, let's see. It was 12 solo albums altogether at three. It was about five weeks total, I think. Oh, boy. Nice, <laughs> so, dude. This week I'm listening to Freaky Styly, The Uplift Mofo Party Plan. And then uh, he... <laughs> Frusciante released a internet only album that was just kind of a collaboration of random things he had recorded from 2009 to 2011 called Renoise. And I'm listening to that on the YouTubes. Very cool. As well as his collaborative album he did with Omar Lopez Rodriguez. McGillicuddy. In 2010. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's just a straight instrumental album for 28 minutes and it's pretty good uh, just grooving just grooving so i'll finish up for shanti and then i'll listen to some chili peppers and i'm going to listen to uh the new misfortune ep as well oh because no just to piss you off mike that's the yeah, only well it already pisses me off so <laughs> <laughs> so you all caught up then for the, that's for it. the last that's couple it. weeks I'm good. <laughs> cool. Well, I've been listening to some stuff. Uh, one I was super interested in just because, you know, it's been getting a lot of buzz. A couple of other of these were um, just kind of recommendations. So I'll just kind of start with the recos. Uh, first of which was an album that I've been looking forward to because of a recommendation from Dave actually weeks ago. This is from Agnes Manners. Now, Agnes Manners is the <laughs> side project of, I think, like the vocalist one of the vocalists of Hellions. Uh, so he went off, kind of oh, okay. did his own little introspective indie rock kind of band. Um, and the lead single that he released, I can't remember the name of it. I don't have it up right now, but uh, um, it was very interesting and it was a very cool style. And I was like, Oh, I can, I can fucking groove on this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the album, which came out uh, this, on September 18th, it's called Fantasia Famish. Mm. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't, I wasn't really super paying attention though to when, uh, if, if there was like an album release date, uh, coming out or anything. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I thought it was interesting, but not an album that I see myself continuing to return to. It doesn't grab me in a way that I thought it was going to. There's some songs in there that are kind of, um, scatterbrained. Or there, there, there's one song again. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's just he's he's literally he's he's literally just um, explaining all the things in the world that are wrong, like you know, like climate change mm-hmm. and like and like you know people lacking empathy and like you know and fascism and shit like that. So it's just it. I mean, it's it's a commendable song as far as like, hey, this is these are how this is how I feel about things. But, it's, yes. but it just kind of leaves you feeling like, okay, do you have anything to say about them? Or <laughs> is this just kind of like, these, these things make me angry moving on. Uh, but, um, <laughs> That's but, but musically though, it's super interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air of all of like the, 
the albums that I've been listening to, but there's something about it that's not really grabbing me. And it's kind of a shame because I was really looking forward to this, but uh, I might have to just force myself to revisit this in the coming months leading up to our end of the year discussion, which is coming up pretty soon, actually. uh, And I'm actually meaning that, which is an interesting perspective. Yeah. Uh, Alpha Wolf, A Quiet Place to Die is their second album. This is a band I'm not too familiar with other than seeing their name here and there. Uh, apparently this is a band that is kind of, uh, this is a recommendation from our listener, Daniel, by the way. And, uh, apparently this is a band that's been in the music scene for a couple years now, and people are kind of hyping them up as kind of like the next big thing. And, uh, and quote, uh, this is a quote from Daniel himself. Like it, they're, they're a band that's been giving metalcore the kick in the ass that it needs. Mm. And I'm not quite sure what he meant by that. Because I listened to A Quiet Quiet Place to Die and it just kind of felt like pretty decent metalcore. Uh, I didn't deep dive. Uh, They're a band from Australia too, by the way, which is where all good metalcore comes from now. (laughs) But uh, pretty much. uh, But, uh, you know, other than some songs that I kind of grooved on, you know, it's not stuff that I was like, all right, well, this is the next big thing, you know. Mm. Um, Not life-altering. It's not life altering, you know, but maybe I kind of went into it thinking that it was going to because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I trust his recommendation. I trust his uh, I, I trust his music taste and everything. But maybe this might be something I might have to deep dive into, which I admit I haven't really done. This came out the 25th, so you know, I haven't had that much time with it uh, lately. But, uh, you know, check them out if you guys are into, you know, the, the current metalcore scene. Uh, this might be something that be up people's alley. Uh, speaking of up people's alley, mm-hmm. this is one that I was trepidatious jumping into because I didn't really know what to think going into it. I think I might have heard like half a single from this artist, but this is Machine Gun Kelly oh. with his newest album, Tickets to My Downfall. That you may know. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. So you know what? I thought I might be fun just give it a listen and give my opinion. And I'd be interested to hear your opinion too, dear Adam. Mm. But uh, you may remember uh, Machine Gun Kelly as like, girl, how the fuck you going to leave me? I'm on fucking TV. You know, that that guy. (laughs) It changed my life when I heard that in 2013. I was like, I know. He was on TV. I can't wait for his pop punk album in seven years. I'm waiting (laughs) desperately. Exactly. That was so long ago. Oh my God. Yeah. So Machine Gun Kelly has released a pop punk album called Tickets to My Downfall. It's been a, it's been a week since it's come out and I've been hearing nothing but good things about it. People are really Mm -hmm. excited about this album. Mm -hmm. People are really excited about kind of the. Zach and Brandon loved it. I know that. Yeah, I haven't heard that episode yet, but uh, I mean, they're not the only ones. I kind of really dig this as well. Um, I don't think kind it's kind of really, kind of, kind really. of really, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna. So speaking objectively, it's not a pop punk album that's gonna blow your mind, hmm. but there's enough in here because of like Machine Gun Kelly's swagger, his kind of hip hop background, and also the fact that Travis Barker produced and played drums for all the songs here that enough is to give i mean that in and, itse- in and of itself is enough to give this like a refreshing palette cleanser in terms of pop punk you know pop punk has been kind of stagnant uh for the last several years and it's something that's really frustrating to me because i hear these thanks like, man. all this I- what's that 
I said, thanks, man, overboard. It's all your Yeah, fault. you you sons of bitches. You 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 peaked uh <laughs> pop punk and now no one's been able to surpass you. Now, right. I wouldn't say like this is like better than like heavy love or anything, but you know, it's just it's just different. Mm-hmm. It it definitely has that pop punk flavor. It's definitely got that Travis Barker, like really groovy drums, really groovy drum beats, so much so where I think some of these are actually like um uh, digital drums, but like it doesn't fucking matter. It's it's still groovy shit. But like there's Again, it's just that it's just that machine gun Kelly swagger that kind of carries us. It kind of takes us to a new level, and it really, and it's really like this is like the kick in the ass that like a certain scene needs. Mm. And in my opinion, and I think you know people are sleeping on this because it's you know oh he's a he's a rapper. I don't like rappers, <laughs> but you know, and you know I was trepidatious going into this too, but just just because my only exposure to Machine Gun Kelly are his features, like on certain Sleeping with Siren songs. Um, mm-hmm. But no, nah, dude, there's there's good songs on here. There's a song here called Forget Me Too featuring Halsey mm-hmm. and like Halsey with pop punk in the back. Like, shit, dude, give me a Halsey pop punk record. How about that? <laughs> it's coming. Like I did hear that one on on Zach and Brandon's review. Nice, that, dude. That song sounds like something I could enjoy. I think there. I think you'd enjoy a lot of like because right. so it's 15 tracks it's only 36 minutes long though so you know you right. you get in and out of this album pretty quickly but yes. um, i was gonna uh, wait until your your blessing before i jumped into this <laughs> well you have my blessing mr adam you I, I i i do genuinely think that you would find a lot to enjoy about this okay. as far as like hip-hop emo rappers who are kind of dabbling in the rock genre i still think nothing nowhere is the is doing the best at it Mm-hmm. But I think this is a, I think this has given him a run for his money. And I think, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, if you love pop punk, which, you know, we, we, you and I tend to do, if you love, you know, refreshing takes on it, which I know you and I love, you and I love as well. Like this is, this is definitely something to take a look at. I don't know if this is something he's going to keep on doing in the future, but I'm glad he kind of went in this direction because it's getting a lot of people to talk about pop punk again. And right. I think that's a, that's a good thing. I will put it on my radar. It's almost like the way that Limp Biscuit had to jump on to the hip hop bandwagon of 2000, the late 90s. Now, are you familiar it, with any Limp Biscuit, Adam? Have you listened uh, to any Limp Biscuit? Oh, I've only heard one recently? album. One album. <laughs> are, but I'm looking forward to the future for that band. Can you uh, recommend me any uh, podcasts that might talk about that album? No, I can't. Mm, that's a shame. <laughs> um, but but this compl- might be what you know. The, this is hip hop saving pop punk now. You, you know, know what? Pop punk way. has pop punk <laughs> pop punk has been needing a ref- something to to liven it up for a long but this, time. But this also means we're about three to four years away from the new revolution. Of, that's uh, true of rock music. So we'll that's true. That yeah. Goes. So, you know, and, and, and people out there who are gatekeeping, you know, albums like this and songs like this, like, please just get out of our way and just let people take this and enjoy it for what it is. He's a, he's a charismatic, charismatic, talented dude. And like, I'm, this isn't going to make me go listen to his hip hop stuff, but, um, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like this genre is getting a kick in the ass. It definitely needs it. And I think people need to, not sleep on it and you know, just 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 dive in it's 36 minutes it's not going to take up too much of your time mm-hmm. and just kind of assess it from there you know maybe i will mike it's got a maybe swagger everybody loves swagger everybody and he's dating any he, and he's dating megan fox i know so like, they're gonna be together forever i'm sure forever no doubt. 
They will Adam, make it work. Two people at the height of their fame. <laughs> go wrong. <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> <clears throat> who who Adam, are you f- else in the world is attracted to? Adam, are you familiar with Chris Cornell? Um, tell me about said man. Uh, well, or apparently, Chris, Chris, a man or woman? I'm not sure. Uh, Christopher, it's Christopher Cornell. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, he use, he he is the current lead singer of uh, Temple of the Dog. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> he that. A, he has a he has a side project called Soundgarden. Uh, anyway, uh, big yes. mo- bad uh, bad motor finger. Yes, album that came out in 1991. This is a perfect album according to half of this mm. podcast and. I'm going to say, I think I tend to agree with you, Adam. Yes! This is a pretty fucking yes! good album, baby. <laughs> keep oh, in mind, keep you. in mind, I listened to the 15-year, no, 25-year anniversary uh, remaster. Has it only so, been 25 years? Wow. <laughs> has it only been, fuck, almost 30 years next year, dude? I know. So, uh, <laughs> the, this, so this album, I didn't really know what to go what what to think going into it because right. other than like i think rusty cage mm-hmm. and El jesus Shine. christ El Shine definitely yeah and and a little bit of jesus christ pose were the only songs that i was familiar with yes and um uh d- and, and jesus christ pose i had to be like oh this is jesus christ pose i know this song yes uh, so i mean so it's definitely so the album definitely front loads you with like those big hits mm-hmm. but Unless but I forget Slaves and Bulldozers. Slaves and Bulldozers is a fucking good song. Oh my god. Like the song Somewhere is a fucking good song. Somewhere. Oh. I mean, like it's almost like when I okay, if, if as I revert back to being 21, 22 years old, first listening to this, mm-hmm. um, never having heard anything like Slaves and Bulldozers in my entire life. And then it's almost like on Somewhere like they tried to make just a normal rock song and they couldn't do it. It, <laughs> it it turned into this gigantic heavy metal incredible perfect like blending of everything um and it's all that's all ben shepherd that's all the guitar or the new bass player that's his song yeah so the, so the the asian in the band is no, no he's, he's, oh yeah the asian is gone yeah the asian is gone so i mean like we so we got a new technically bass... technically uh the guitar player is indian so you know he's asian so just... oh sure so another asian yeah <laughs> but yes but, i'm so but, happy to hear this i mean so i mean that being said with the with with the new bass player i i, I you know not that the the old bass player was a bad bass player but like yo they, they aren't missing they aren't skipping a beat at all with the oh. the new one he's just as talented as mm. the Asian, <laughs> the other Asian. And but, I mean, uh, you put this in comparison to Louder Than Love, and what, what do you think? <laughs> do you so think? I hear the I, I, I hear the comparisons, mm-hmm. um, but it's but it. But if you hadn't told me that these were two, these are the same band, I would have thought it was two separate bands. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. It's this is definitely crazy. like Chris Cornell coming into that Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. like that kind of raspy but still melodic kind of vocal style that he's really good at and mm. uh, that he would just go on to perfect. And, mm. um, but, uh, man, this is like, fuck dude. And it is, it, this is such a good grunge album. That's mm-hmm. just kind of like, it's in your face and you recommended that I listen to this loud and I fucking mm. did. And it mm. was just, and it's just, 
and I think because I listened to the remastered version though, like it still came out so fucking clean, mm. and like that bass, I, I like the remastered version, like really, you really fucking feel that bass, dude, and oh, it's yeah. so. And I have such a good sound system in my car too, and it's like right. it felt so <laughs> fucking good. And like we talked a little bit in 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 when we did Limp Biscuit earlier how some of those songs made me feel like a fucking tough guy. Mm-hmm. These songs made me feel like a fucking tough guy. dude. <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. And yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it was, it, it was always the drums. I mean like this album and learning how to play drums at the same time, like hit at the same time for me. So mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, Matt Cameron's style and just right when he comes in on rusty cage, just like that. And it's just, yeah, he's Matt Cameron. He has that like, I'm having a hard time like putting into words, but like, it's like some sort of like accessible aggression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's super aggressive, but like, it's still like accessible enough where like people won't be like put off by the drum work. And these, these three albums right here are the best production of his drum work than what you'll ever hear again. Cause he goes to Pearl Jam and you're just like, that's Matt Cameron on drums. Okay. Barely tell <laughs> that one of the greatest drummers ever is just like buried underneath a bunch of mediocrity. So, um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know why it is. It stands out so much on this and, uh, and, and the next two albums. Mm-hmm. And what I do like about bad motor fingers is that there's not any fluff. It's just kind there of like really a isn't. solid 12 tracks. And it's just like, this is what, early 90s grunge is all about i think you know i I think it captures that spirit really well i feel like mind riot and holy water are like the weakest tracks um but i loved holy water (laughs) (laughs) i love that song that was a really good song yeah and but mind riot is always the one where you're just like "Ah, okay just take a little break during this song and and okay (laughs) regather myself because because in between you know room a thousand years wide which I always felt was one of their best songs. And then drawing flies was just like, wow, I didn't know Soundgarden can sound like this. Um, Like mind riot always just seemed a little too mellow, but it was just kind of a chance to take a break, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, by the time you get to new damage, I mean, you're, you're exhausted. And then you have like one of the heaviest songs ever to close out the album. Yeah, there, I I felt that at first, like I did feel like by the time the final track came in, I was like, okay, I'm I I feel like I've had enough, mm-hmm. um, and I want to move on. So I mean, it's a good thing that 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 was like the last song. But but by by um, but by repeat listens, mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is this is <laughs> <laughs> this this is where it should end, and this yeah. is this, this is the good pace. This is a good pacing for this type of music and this type of style. Cause it, it just hits, it gets so heavy. Just the way that that guitar riff falls, you know, and then Chris just belts out that scream at the very beginning of it. And you're just like, Oh yes. The album's yeah, what a, over. <laughs> what a great like vocal performance. Yes. You know, I, 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 I just kind of deep, I just kind of read the lyrics of like some of the songs of uh, two weeks ago. So I, you know, I, I'm some sad boy shit in there, but like, <laughs> yes, but as a vocalist, Fuck, he's really coming to his own, man. The, I got it, it kind of makes his the previous two albums feel like he was just trying to copy a mm-hmm. different style, but yeah. like now this is like his own thing, and he's like he's really coming to his own as a vocalist. And it's yeah. Very impressive. And for me, as like I went backwards, I like I heard uh, the album after Super Unknown. Mm-hmm. 
flanking in my head, but I heard that one first and then super unknown and then this album. So like it got like progressively more and more heavy, uh, down on the upside. That was the name of the one. Um, yeah. so it just like got progressively more and more heavy the further I went with this band. So then I was like, Oh man, louder than love is going to be like the greatest album ever. And it was, Oh no, <laughs> I can see where, where, uh, it, it, it all like, this was always like the perfect concoction of this band for, for those years. Um, so, well, speaking so, of super unknown this yes. last week, I, 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 I did my deep, I did my due diligence on, on that album and not as perfect as perfect. Bad motor finger. You know, it, it's, this is a little, this is three years later. And again, I listened to the 20, yes. 20 year remastered version, which came out in 2014. Yes. So I got to hear that, that that crisp clean production oh yes um, uh, you know and i went back and listened to the original version of black hole sun and spoon man which are you know the music video versions and stuff like mm. and like the the remaster definitely helps there mm. is that kind of like 90s reverb that was just mm. everywhere that we just felt like okay every band needs to have a bunch of reverb in it <laughs> um that, that this kind of it's a little overwhelming mm-hmm. but uh, this one's a little bit cleaner so it, it definitely helped with it. Yes. Uh, there's a little bit of fluff, especially towards the end of the album. Um, but uh, but half. still, yeah, half. Half is, yeah. I was like, eh, a, I can skip this. It's all a, a Ben Shepard uh, concoction of <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I felt like it was them maybe kind of going back to like their, their punk days and be like, hey, let's go have some fun. Basically, what I read about this was that like it's so long because they decided not to cut anything. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want to have and, all of the bad conversations about cutting things that shouldn't be there. They're just like, let's just throw it all in. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes bands need to have those conversations because it's the right thing to do. Because this don't this one, I definitely felt the length. I felt like this one, this album dragged a little bit. And by the time like we get to half, I'm like, okay, we're doing this now, really. <laughs> oh yeah, Kick- kickstand is another kind of throwaway track. Yeah, that one too. Yeah. But it's a good thing they're short too, so yeah, it's not it, like it, it's three and a half minutes of throwaway on here. Mm-hmm. Well, except for Spoonman is four minutes of throwaway. So I hate that song. You hate Spoonman? Yeah. I was about to ask you, like, what what is Spoonman about? <laughs> it's about a dude in Seattle who plays spoons, who's played spoons on the street. Mm. For- for years and years and years. And um, so he's quite literally a spoon man. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was some sort of fucking metaphor that was going over my head. And I'm like, what is this song? Why is it such a big song for them? It was basically like, like they got to know the guy and like the, the perception that everybody had about him as just being some crazy guy that plays spoons <laughs> was completely different when they finally got to know him. <laughs> so they wrote a song about him and, 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 had him do a spoon solo in that song. And is that I, what that is? Yeah, I hate. That. Oh my god! <laughs> I was I was wondering like what instrument is this in this weird solo thing? I'm like, okay. Well, That's now cool. I have this weird. Now I have this weird perception of this spoon man song. Now I can see why you don't like it. <laughs> it was never my jam, and I, I and I, I I never really wanted it to get played on the radio or anything. Mm. But his name is Artis the Spoon Man, a street performer. <laughs> From Santa as, Cruz, California, later Seattle, Washington, as <laughs> named by his parents, artists of Spoon Man. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. But uh, I mean, you know, Black Hole Sun—that was such a pleasure to revisit and hear in the context of the record it comes from. And yes, whew, super unknown. The title track is a oh my god, damn good song. Oh my god, fell on black days is always fell good. on black days is so good. And apparently that's a single, right? Oh I, yeah, I, it was I don't think song. I've heard that song. 
Wow, really? I yeah, played on Kika all the time. That's I don't think, yeah, I, don't, I never, you, I didn't recognize it until I, like, I, I, I had to look this up and for my research and like, oh, I didn't know that was a single. Because when he started doing more solo stuff in the in the post Audio Slave days, he would always do that song acoustic. Oh, right on. And it was always incredible, and yeah, always one of my favorite songs on from Chris Cornell. And uh, yeah, Let Me Drown, great opener. My mm-hmm. wave, kind of the. It feels like the most positive song on the album is "My Wave." Well, a bunch of sad boy shit. You were right. So, um, <laughs> I mean, and then there's "Spoon Man," which is the happiest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Now, <laughs> any other standouts? Limo Rack. Limo Rack, I like a lot too. Oh. I mean, this album I feel like is has a stronger first half, mm. uh, and then when you get to "Spoon Man," it starts getting like, okay, well, the the, the good stuff is a little bit more sporadic, but. Uh, but still, overall, a successful record. You know, I can I can see why you like Bad Motor Finger more than this. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, you know, for, at least for me, the length is a little too much. So there's a there's a pacing issue, mm-hmm. and then like the jokey songs, I'm like, okay, let's not, let's just skip over those. We don't yeah. we don't need to have those in there. But uh, you know, not 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 what I expected, at least from. But you know, like one suicide, of like suicide to close it out. That is a fucking good. That's a fucking good closer, and you, it, that that one you don't really feel the length, um, right. but it's, it's it's a it's a powerful closer. Yep, which and is always when, uh, right when those drums come in, right before the big chorus or be, before the big outro, um, it's it's pretty spot on. Like I know you're a guy that likes acoustic songs that have big rock endings like that. Mm-hmm. Culminations, dude. And that right when that snare hits, boom, you feel that in mm. your heart. You feel it in your chest, and uh, it goes from there. And it's like, God damn right you do. Why doesn't Matt Cameron sound like this anymore? I don't know. Yeah, what, dude, what? Matt Cameron, your favorite drummer from Dance Donald Dance and the Trumpets. Exactly. <laughs> don't sleep on Matt Cameron. But, so uh, I, so I'm, I'm happy that you enjoyed it. I know it's not as good as the previous one. But... Oh no, this, this wasn't as this wasn't like a failure of an album in, yeah. by any means. It's just you know it, it does suffer from pacing issues, and I think it's because of the weird tonal shifts, mm-hmm. and because like you said, they just kind of threw everything they recorded in this, which is not always the best idea if you're a band. You know, you definitely have to think about your audience. Definitely have to think about pacing. Um, you know, think of the album as a piece of art that tells a story. So you know, if 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 if, if you take away some of the uh, immersion from that, it definitely hurts, in, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, dude, fuck, super un- that one-two punch week after week of Bad Motor Finger, super unknown. That's fuck, that's, I- that's what 1994 feels like to me. Mm. Like that 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 utter darkness and despair, where 1996's Down on the Upside will take you to a whole deeper, different level of despair. <laughs> if you yeah, haven't heard it yet, but is there like does, does this one kind of suffer the same thing with like we'll, we'll throw in some jokey songs and... no there's no jokey songs but there there is a song on here called apple no wait never named yeah mm. i think that's the one that's the only track that i i have to throw out where i'm not gonna say it's jokey it's just kind of a dumb song oh, okay and uh but it i i think this one is pretty much I, I always feel this is the death of grunge with down on the upside all the way so yeah, that was 96 too so yeah. you know, getting kind of there we're kind of we're kind of entering the boy band kind of yeah, they, princess stage of music too and soundgarden broke up in 97 yeah. and uh, but by this time they were like you know the biggest rock stars in the world and 
not not super happy about it as most people get when they're not when they're popular um but i feel like this one it, it, it it's very like you, you had to be there in 1996 to get it mm-hmm. um, I still, yeah. I still give it a, a fifteen out of sixteen or whatever. You know, there's only the one <laughs> well, track I'm, I don't like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hope. Uh, I still felt like you know, because I, I didn't listen to grunge in the '90s, and I'm going into these albums like mm-hmm. with my modern taste and my modern perspective on music, and like I, they, they, these Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown still have a lot to offer, right? And, there were times, especially when I first listened to these albums, where I had to put myself into that mindset and kind of compare it to their peers who were releasing to that I that I was familiar with the, from albums back in the day. Mm-hmm. But even still, like these albums still hold up. Um, but I also feel like maybe the remasters were do help that fact because mm-hmm. you know if I had to listen to two weeks of like constant reverb, I'm like, Ugh, Adam, <laughs> why do you like this? <laughs> so the production this one... so bad. You, you'll okay. definitely feel the length on this one. Okay. When you get to tracks 11 through 14. Okay. Because, uh, you know, the, the final two tracks are quick, and uh, track 15 is really, really good. But 11 through 15, like, those are some long songs that I, I really feel like you have to be a super fan to be enjoying. So okay. I'm interested to get your take on that. And uh, yeah, this album my grandma bought for me in 1996. And, upside, yeah, down on the upside. And nice, dude. I listened to it once, and I was like, "Well, this isn't for me." And I, <laughs> I put it away, and I, I gave it to Denny, you know, later that year. Fucking and it's, Denny, it stayed at his house for probably two to three years until I took it home with me one day. And and then in in 2001 2002 when I started to discover more grunge I was like I should listen to me some more down on the upsides and I finally had like a real appreciation for it so but it it took all those years of of not really getting it until like I was I had to go back and listen to you know earlier Chris Cornell to appreciate later Chris Cornell so mm-hmm. I, I I can kind of I can kind of guess where you're going to feel about this because Ooh, okay. Yeah, because it, it it it's slow. It's a slow sixty five minutes. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> well, I'll I will I will uh, I will I will I will check in with you in 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 the coming week and or weeks. Okay, cool, cool. Anybody else you're listening to this week? This week, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just been kind of uh, going back to some of my favorites from two from from twenty twenty and just kind of getting myself in the mindset that uh, the end of the year uh, discussion is coming up. So I'm just kind of being like, okay, did I really not like this album? You know, so I'm just kind of revisiting old stuff. And as new stuff and new recommendations come along, I will, I will throw those in. And then we have, uh, we have uh, some Meg Myers coming up. You've got some John for Shanti coming up. We've got, uh, we've got, if it ends up being just like a straight EDM album, I'm not going to, listen to it or count it for that matter you've been you you're you're this far in man you gotta at least give it a shot yeah i'll listen to it once but if it's straight edm i'm not going to keep listening to it and judge each track accordingly (laughs) there's no point to that (laughs) well folks thank you so much where he went is so much so cooler when he went earlier in the song you know i I, I can't i can't judge that (laughs) yeah 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 do do what you will, John Frashanti. I think you've earned it. Right. 
But uh, thank you, folks. I know this was a, a a chunkier episode, but you know we love talking to each other. It's been a, it's been a couple weeks in our personal life, so it's good that we get to catch up with one another. And thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that very 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 odd track by track breakdown. I hope I'll, we we hope that you at least got something out of it. I'm glad to have heard Adam's thoughts of it. You know, some for someone who has zero nostalgia for it and right. thought this shit thought this shit was lame 20 years ago <laughs> well, at least i listened to it now i can say i can confirm what i thought about it in the past i guess <laughs> but there's some there there was hope there was definitely some hope there that never got realized after mm-hmm. after that album so eh, what are you gonna that do that poor that poor bullied confused 14 year old me is still in there somewhere you know and somewhere and, this past week, I had to dig it, dig it back up, and share it with my friends in the in the skinhead nation, which is a weird glad, thing to say in this political climate that we live in these days. Glad you 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 you're better now. That's important. I should I should still probably go to some therapy, but hey, folks, hope you stay subscribed to the Skinny. Please tune in to the next few weeks. We're gonna have some doozies for you. I think we should probably at least do one more serious like election episode i got a lot to tell i got a lot to talk to you about and i i'm i've been going through like as as we, everyone knows we've, i've been going through existential crises for the last four years and i need to like i need to just kind of let it out and i need to check in and see if you're doing okay and i kind of need to check in to see if where my mindset these days is the right thing to do okay so because i've you want to come over next week and, and talk about this in person? Because What's happening there's, next week? there's an important day coming up. Oh, you're right. The the uh, the the 20th anniversary of chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. It did come out. Well, the the anniversary of my way coming out as a single. Um, but my something, generation. <laughs> something equally catastrophic happened 20 years prior to that on that exact date. <laughs> Maybe you want to come over and celebrate. I don't know. Some, sometimes it's uh, it's difficult to do. Mm. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll check in with your boss and see what, the, what you guys are doing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, you know, how, how Adam feels going into the new decade and stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely plan to do an election episode because uh, I got oh fuck, uh, but uh, but uh, folks, thank you. It's gonna get so bad in the next month. I'm just it sure is, isn't it? Grab some popcorn and, and go from there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, uh, no people to distract me anymore, so it's great. <laughs> I know. Oh, and we didn't say anything, but uh, good job, Cubs, on taking on you know making it this this far into the playoff season. Scored one goddamn run for the entire two games of the playoffs. I mean, that's just it's great. You know what? They did. You know what? At least they had fun, right? Did the they? Only... Did everybody get orange slices at the end of the game? So they got orange something. I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, as long as people had fun, as long as they got orange slices, and you know, for their participation award, I'm sure they got like a Chuck E. Cheese gift certificate. That's probably good for like five coins or whatever, you know. But you know what? It's something. Five more weeks before they all shut down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They so, say, you know what? They get to go home early. How about that? They get to beat traffic. Exactly. So good, good on you, Cubs. You know, it's, it's you know, it's gonna suck to See not. You next year. See you next year when hopefully things will be a little bit better. So Mike, on Mike, to on. Mike will what? hopefully eat a sandwich while we watch you. 
Hey, you know what? It's all about them bets, baby. <laughs> you got you got you got your Trump bet coming up. We'll see what happens there. With the he's already he's already kicking and screaming. He's already being like, eh, I'm not gonna concede. So you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh so folks, thank you again. Tune in next time for the skinny with Mike and Adam for my co-host Adam. I am your co-host Mike. And like we say, when we're limping with the biscuit. Um <laughs> how many fucks did, did we count up in that in that hot dog song? More than forty six. Oh. Well it was more than well. Is is it forty six or is it forty four? Because if he says so fuck two more times, it's forty six fucks and it's fucked up, right? Well, he said it at least once after that line, mm. so uh, so that's forty six right there. We need to go to lyric genius and actually count the number of fucks. I mean, I don't know why we can't just say it all the time. That's... How many fucks did we say in this episode? It's definitely more than forty six. <laughs> See you, Adam. Stop! We've 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 passed our fuck limit for the week. We're going to get demonetized. (laughs) See you, folks.